It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In my notes from the WWDC keynote, it says... There are 16 million registered developers, so there's plenty of fans for podcasts to go around. Hmm. And if it's about going into a dry spell, which is what I, I think I was overhearing, it kind of makes Maybe. sense because everything got quiet before WWDC. We had oh, I see, yeah, rumors yeah, yeah. and innuendo, but no actual content. Yeah, summertime. I mean, the WWDC is a good time because we'll we'll have stuff to talk about for a while. You know, as we start going through videos and sessions, and we can make it the Tim Sink shows. I'm sure that'll boost the ratings. And then we'll get hey, another boost. Mama's good <laughs> then we'll get another boost in the fall Gosh, when all these baby. devices start Don't coming out. you cry. Aren't I the Sorry. one that usually shows up drunk? What's going on? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 147 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in seattle washington how's it going and we also have tammy corn down in west tennessee hey now <laughs> hey now hey now all righty so well yeah so this is this is we're recording right smack in the middle of wwdc so uh but we're just going to do our usual thing so Jaime, do we have some ask mtjc we do we have one from prism studios it says hey guys you know that you can airplay amazon prime to the apple tv right and this is follow-up and almost a little bit of spoilers for part of this podcast around the fact that Amazon's Prime Video app has been notably absent on the Apple TV. And uh, yeah, I think that's true. I I think you can airplay the Amazon Prime app over to the Apple TV, but that's, it's sort of like not a very convenient way of doing it, right? Like it's, like you sure yeah. you could, but I mean I could also plug it in physically to my phone too, and then just plug it right into the TV and use it like as it was like a, a external display monitor sort of thing too. But sure. that's not as good when I'm you know I've had a long day. I just want to kick back on the couch and veg and just you know let me go see what's available. Which is why I think it's a, it's a big idea to have that on there. Just a quick question. So so is he talking about running it in the iOS? Can you play Amazon Prime in the iOS app? Is that how that works? I mean I have Amazon Prime, but I've never really tried it. So yeah, the Amazon Prime Video app or or whatever or 
maybe it's just called Amazon Video. I forget what the actual app name is. Uh, but in any case, it can play video you know, on iOS devices, your iPhone, your iPad. And if you have an Apple TV, you can also AirPlay that stuff right, to right. the Apple TV. But it's definitely not as convenient as something we'll end up talking about in this show as we talk about WWE. Well, we, we can let the cat out of the bag. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. So so the big news for tvOS was that Amazon, the Amazon Prime app has come to, t- to Apple TV. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, Amazon Prime Video. Right, so, right. So okay. for Prime members being able to view Prime content, both their original content as well as stuff that is free right. to, to view. Uh, of course, you also have the, the paid route. You know, if you want to watch, let's say, like Hidden Figures or something, you can also rent or buy those through Amazon's video. Okay. For me, that's huge because I ha- I've been an Amazon Prime member for a long while now, and I don't think I've watched a single Amazon Prime video because it's a pain in the ass to figure out how to go get it and then where to watch it. So, um, this for me is going to be big. Yeah, you know Serenity's on uh, Amazon Prime, right? Oh, hush. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I think for joke. me, this also is big. So I, I happen to have, I don't know how recent, uh, within the last six months, purchased a Roku 4 device. And I've been a Roku user for a while because I sort of had those three major media providers that I really needed. Netflix, but yeah, Netflix is on your toaster, right? Like that's kind of a given, but it's an important one, right? If you don't have Netflix, you're a broken content uh, system. Wait, what the hell uh, kind of toaster do you have? I want one of those. <laughs> the the, uh, the eye toaster, forty nine ninety five. No, I mean <laughs> you probably could get it actually on some refrigerators or some Samsung refrigerators that are basically big old Android devices right on the front. So I'll have to check that out. In any case, wow. you can get Netflix, or or I should say, I need Netflix. I need Crunchyroll for anime streaming, and I also need Amazon Prime Video. Now, the former two have been you know available on the Roku. That's great. They've been on the Apple. TV, great. The Apple TV has missed, until recently, missed out on Amazon Prime Video, so it was essentially a non-starter for me. It never was a competitor in my mind. It'd be like, okay, this doesn't meet one-third of my requirements. Why would I ever choose it when there's this other thing that meets all of my requirements? And now, it sort of changes the, the whole equation to me of like, oh, well now when I look to replace my Roku device, I might consider the forthcoming Apple TV presumed device. They didn't announce one, but I'm just going to assume there will be one with 4K sometime in the fall. Cool. All right. So, and we have some follow-up items. Um, just following up on, on Jaime's post last week about the, uh, the um, I guess it was a home-built Cortana holographic experience thing. Uh, I saw this link on Mashable uh, that holographic billboards are now seem to be a thing. And they're using a sort of a series of projectors and building up um, a number of images together that, that project onto a piece of glass. And so they've got footlocker ads. And I, I guess this must be a Mark Cuban project because... Um, it's called Hypervision, and it's just uh, it's got this way, cool way of um, creating ads in the air, if you will, right? So I wonder if it was a Shark Tank thing is what I was going with the Mark Cuban comment. It's a definitely kind of a, a cool thing to see. Um, I find it interesting, since you've mentioned um, this whole thing, that we are slowly catching up to the 2015 that is demonstrated in Back to the Future Part 2, <laughs> the movie where, you know, a year later, the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, end up winning the World Series in Major League Baseball. Really? And now wow. we've got got holographic billboards, which if you remember the one where Jaws 19, I think, reaches out and tries to bite him, that was a holographic right, right. billboard sort 
of thing. So we're, we're ever so slowly getting towards having Back to the Future Part Two come to life. So I wonder if I wonder if anybody just for a joke or just for a lark um, placed a bet that the Cubs would win the World Series like years ago, right? Just just for a lark, right? And then they go ahead and win it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's definitely one of those things that uh, if you get in cheap enough, the the odds are so high that yeah, yeah. in your favor that you could uh, you can make some real bank. Yeah. Well, the next uh, item we have is uh, as a um, follow up item is Launch Kit, and I I'm a Launch Kit user. I've not a, I'm not a pro user, but uh, I've been using it since it was originally announced back in beta and to create screenshots for my apps that go on the app store. And if you go over and look at uh, device tracker or what else have I got on there? Um, uh, all of them, like uh, Geese Squad, um, Biensalon, all my apps, I've used LaunchKit to do my, my advertising or to create the screenshots that are on the app store. They were acquired by Google, I think, a year ago. And we wondered kind of what would happen, whether it would, you know, they would bring LaunchKit over to Android or something. And decided to say that uh, they have now announced that uh, they're going to be shutting down as of July 31st. So if you are a LaunchKit Pro user, you have until July 31st to go and grab your assets and download them. And uh, basically, they say that uh, all data will be destroyed after J- July 31st. So whether you're a free user like I am or a paid user, you're out of luck. So had you guys looked at that product at all? Yeah, I remember I was talking about it on the show. I- I've not used it myself, though. Yeah, like I said, well, you can look at my App Store uh, list, uh, items under IT Guy Technologies, and you'll see they're all. They've all been dressed up with uh, screenshots handily made. And, it, you know, it makes them for you put up, you upload one screenshot and it creates an iPhone 4 or 5S, you know, iPhone 6, iPhone 7. Uh, they even, if you paid, you can get iPad sizes too done for you, which were nice. And, you know, they look kind of cool because you can put a caption above or like a little banner above each one and, and do multiple languages. Like I think I think Device Tracker actually is, I think that's in eight languages. So I did my screenshots in eight different languages. So sad to see that go. BuddyBuild is a continuous integration, continuous deployment, and user feedback platform built specifically for the mobile development teams. BuddyBuild takes just minutes to set up and automates the process, configuring a reliable and robust platform to build, test, and deploy your apps. Gone are the days of retrofitting legacy web infrastructure and constantly maintaining build scripts to meet your mobile development needs. BuddyBuild gives you back the time normally spent on creating and maintaining your development pipeline so you can focus on building apps your users will love. With BuddyBuild, thousands of companies like Slack, Meetup, and Firefox are confident in their mobile development infrastructure again. Find out more about BuddyBuild at BuddyBuild.com. All right. So, well, of course, the big the big news this week is, like I said at the top of the show, we're smack dab in the middle of uh, WWDC. So uh, we're going to just sort of riff on our uh, impressions of what was announced and what was on the show and, and what we think about them. And uh, we've got some comments from watching the videos, which made up in the after show, I guess. So you want to lead in, uh, Jaime? Sure. And I think the framing that we'll use for this is that Apple had sort of six major areas that it wanted to talk about during the keynote. And the the first one was TVOS, which literally the only thing they said was, oh, by the way, Amazon Prime Video is coming later this year. It was, it was really weird that, um, that they didn't spend more time on, on other stuff, like what's going on in TVOS. I did see right. that there is at least one session, so they are making some sort of change to TVOS, but apparently in this extraordinarily packed keynote, which I guess normally goes two hours, it went, I don't know, two and change, two fifteen, maybe yeah, two 15, hours and 30, minutes. something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Like every little 
little bit was was just packed to the gills with all sorts of information. There weren't any of these weird, oh, look, here's a demonstration for this thing that nobody cares about and <laughs> feels like somebody got paid really good to, to go show this sort of awkward thing. Uh, no, no, no. This this was, you know, there was nothing but like, you know, to the bone, this is what we need to show you about what Apple's doing this year. So uh, TVOS, sure. not much going on. As I mentioned before, I suspect they'll have, you know, a 4K device. They didn't announce one. You know, your mileage may vary in terms of your, your purchasing habits. Um, right. The next thing they talked about was the watch. And uh, did anybody take real good notes on that? I, I took a handful of things. So for me, I remembered that the Siri watch face was trying to be proactive and show you just what you needed to know in a very timely fashion. It looks a lot like the Pebble timeline. I think yeah. you remember the right. Pebble smartwatch yeah, yeah. where it would show you sort of as you go through your day, this is what you need to know in the morning. And it needs to let you know, here's what traffic is all about. You need to deal with, you know, traffic today. And as you get towards the afternoon, it says, oh, by the way, don't forget that you have a haircut at 1 p.m. And, and so on and so forth. So that that was cool. You know, it shows more of what Siri can do beyond simply just sort of listening and waiting for you to ask it something, being very reactive into more of a proactive type assistant. Sure, sure. And then they showed some watch faces too, right? They showed like, There's oh, a kaleidoscope like... one now. Yeah, yeah. Really? Which, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not super keen on it. I'm sure there are people who will enjoy it. I, I think if you're going to have a kaleidoscope face, it probably should be kaleidoscope, the diffing tool from Black Pixel. You know, maybe I can be sitting in line somewhere waiting for my sandwich and uh, checking to see if this image looks really good or not. Um, and they also have those Toy Story faces as well, which if you like the Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse ones, uh, but are a younger fan, I think that might be for you. All right. And then, then we moved on to the new OS, right? Mac OS. Hi, Sierra. Well, a couple of high notes on that one was intelligent tracking prevention, which is, you know, an, an, I guess a smarter way of making sure that people aren't following you on online. Um, they said the mail's more efficient. They talked about some new uh, photo editing. I think um, the APFS, the new Apple uh, file system, is now standard. Is that correct? I think it will be yeah. default in macOS. High is that going to be? Oh, it's not going to move over to, to iOS, though, but just uh, just macOS, I guess. It's oh, it already is, on, already is on iOS. Um, oh, is it? Okay. okay. As of 10.3. Okay. The, the did the, the silent upgrade. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so and that's a 64-bit um, file system, safe. does have some things like instant file and metadata cloning, which basically means, I guess, it just instantly happens. And uh, something that Tammy might be kind of excited about is Metal 2. What do you think of Metal 2, Tammy? Um, I'm excited about it, but I'm still not sure, you know, where Metal fits into the entire ecosystem. Like, um, for example, if you're building a game, I don't know why you would use Metal or Metal 2 when you've got tools out there like scene kit or unity or unreal if however you're building a game engine then yeah metal is is really cool and they have added a ton of new stuff in there i mean they're really pushing the the vr in metal and the ar which we haven't talked about just yet right right that's that's where you sound like a pirate right ar kit you must wear an eye patch anytime you program in ar kit that's true um or you'll put your eye out um so and then moved on to hardware i guess the first hardware announcement of the show was the IMAX. Um, and it, it, interesting, I made a quote of, of, the, of what, I think this is Craig Federighi said, was that, um, or maybe it wasn't him, but they, it, it wasn't him actually, now that I think about it, but he said that it was the most popular desktop for pro-consumers, which I thought was interesting because we've talked on the show about before about whether there is actually pro-tools for people in general and, and whether or not, and obviously Apple is thinking that the iMac, which is I guess their most popular hardware desktop piece, that's where the pros are going, so they've 
added nat- native VR um, to it. I guess with the they have a, a new developer kit, right? That they're they're adding on, which adds a GPU to. I guess it's an external GPU that you can plug into the yeah, interface look, somehow. Uh, huh? That that is uh, five ninety nine USD, and I think someone should send one to me just for fun. <laughs> just for, just <laughs> I'll to make review, something yeah. really cool for you. <laughs> just yeah, if you want to send one over to Tammy to review it, she'll, she'll totally be happy to do that. So is that the but the uh, I guess the new desk the new displays are running at 90 frames per second or is that because and they've added the kb lake processors and ssds that are 50 50 percent faster than the previous generation of ssds so um, quite a bit of horsepower put into the um the imac line um, i'm not sure if this is, counts as the fifth thing i've lost count where we were Jaime, in terms of counting i wasn't really paying attention to the keynote i thought we are on the third if you're talking about mac still Oh, really? Okay, okay. Um, so, well, the third point four or three was the big uh, drumroll, please, uh, iMac Pro, you know, with a 5K display and starting at $4,999. And comes in space gray, I think, right? Did you have any notes yes. on that? Yes. Yeah, and I had a note on that that said, get one of these for Christmas, because that's when right, it comes right. out. Uh, Ascent. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, December 2017. I would love to have that. Uh, good luck with that one <laughs> now you do you do have a you do have a, a your place you have a desktop that you use your your Cintiq with right like you don't lug that around on your so you have you have a space where you do well, your work as well as having laptops right i used to i used to have a an imac 27 inch which i just pretty much gave to my son maybe like two months ago okay and now i just plug the Cintiq in whenever i'm using it to one of my laptops mm, okay but now the new imac pro that bill is obviously going to buy you for Christmas. I think that's what I was doing. I think I was getting, I had this 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 uh, premonition that I needed to clear yeah. that desk space for something new, something bigger, something borrowed, right, something right. space gray. <laughs> yeah. Sleeker, more more tactical than the space gray, <laughs> yes. including the keyboard and mouse, uh, magic mouse, which oh, are my exclusive goodness. to the iMac Pro. They are also space gray. That's how I'm going to okay, sell so, it to them. It's tactical. It's tactical. Stuff. So how do we feel about the iMac Pro in general, besides the fact that Tammy's going to get one? But how do we feel about that? And what does it do for the uh, for the you know the video processing people or the people make, mixing giant vi- music tracks and who need all those processors? Like so up to twelve, I think isn't that right? It's a, and like sixty four gig is the base model and um, one hundred and twenty eight gigabytes ECC RAM is what I wrote. It comes in eight core Xeon, tw- ten core Xeon, and eighteen core Xeon processor. 18, right. Yeah, with a four terabyte SSD. And what did I? Oh my lord, what did I write here? Is that thirty six gigs per second? What is it? I didn't, couldn't understand the number. It's, it's a lot of gigs. It's a lot of gigs. Trust a lot of me. gigs per second. A lot of gigs. The, yeah. the truth is, if if you're an indie developer and you are a one-stop shop and you need to do all of these different things, that's the machine for you. Now, Tim, you said I was going right. to get one. I can't afford one of those. I would love to get one, but I can't. <laughs> Even if I'm I kidding. saved up every penny until Christmas, I probably still wouldn't be able to afford to get one. But if you can, if if you if not you like, but more like the general you, if you can afford to get one of those. Get one of those because those are right, hella right. cool. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, how do, what do we think about that in terms of its placement? In terms of what does it do to the Mac Pro? Because clearly, like my comment that I saved about them saying that uh, the iMacs were the, the most popular Pro user, Pro consumer uh, product, desktop-wise. Um, clearly, the iMac Pro is Apple sort of putting their foot forward, saying this is this is the, the machine for you, right? And it's you know at four ninety nine, it's 
when you start throwing options at it, um, it's pretty much going to be like what you would put into spending to, for a Mac Pro, right? Because you're going to buy a monitor and mo- keyboard and mouse and all that kind of stuff, right? A friend of mine looked at me during the keynote and he said, you know, the Mac you want is going to cost you five grand, no matter whether it's an iMac Pro or whatever. Like if you really, you know, when you soup it all up, that's what you're going to be spending. What do you think about that? I think given a choice of the Mac Pro or the iMac Pro, I would go with the iMac Pro. Right, yeah. Yeah, with a 5K display, like Mark's been saying, he's wanted a 5K display forever, right? So this gives you the best of both worlds in that sense, right? I, my only concern I see about, it going my, away. I see the Mac Pro going away. Maybe not like tomorrow, yeah. but I do see yeah. the transition of it just going away. My, my big concern about the all-in-ones is the all-in-one, right? I've got four iMacs sitting upstairs right now that just came back to me from various people. Like I've got a 27-inch one. I've got a, you know, a really nice Intel one. But, you know, the monitors don't work or they're no longer upgradable and blah, 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 blah. Or they don't have enough memory. And yeah, my but concern about, you know, people are so, the, technology has become so disposable. You go out yeah. and you buy a brand new phone every year because Apple here take my money when there's nothing wrong with your other phone. Now, granted, we're talking, you know, $800 versus $5,000, but still people, or at least, you know, what I've seen, they, they just, they don't need things separate. They want this, this thing that they can just gather up and be done with it and come back in and replace it. Unless you're like a serious gamer that's building their own PC that you need specialized parts to do one thing or the other. All in one is fine. It's preferred. Hmm. Okay. Opinion. Yeah, I think I think Sorry. that Tim to sort of get your request. And I think if you say, okay, what will the sales numbers be like between this iMac Pro and the forthcoming Mac Pro? I think it, it's got to be easily ten to one. I would guess. I'm just pulling a number yeah, out of the yeah. air. Where this is just so crazy and out there in terms of performance that there are going to be very few people who will not have their needs met and met for several years, right? You, you buy this $5,000 machine and it's going to last you five years probably, I would guess, right? We're, we're hanging on these machines longer and longer because the computing has gotten good enough for most people. But for those who really, really need that extra oomph, I think I'm pretty excited to yeah, see yeah. what the Mac Pro ends up being in that it, it doesn't have to be held back by the, you know, the, the form factor of the iMac, right? The iMac has to look svelte. It has to deal with things, you know, it, it can do more cooling uh, more actively than the sort of notable current trash can shaped Mac Pro can do, but there's only so much it can do to keep the same sort of form factor, right? But if you say, all right, right, right. from the get-go, you know, remember the mistake that we made before, don't make that mistake again, make this so that it can handle whatever, you know, fiery ball of sun comes out of the GPUs, you know, five years from now, that's the design Apple's going to come up with. And I'm pretty excited to see what that ends up being. Uh, not because I will buy one, because I'm I'm not going to be that sort of creme de la creme who has these exotic, you know, video or 3D graphics processing or even, you know, uh, other multimedia sort of processing needs. But there are people who do. And I think they're a very, very small niche, but there will also be uh, people who are spending a lot of money for a very high quality device in the future. I'm just trying to see here what the price of the um, uh, macro is currently. I'm just looking on the Canadian store. No, the American store. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. So, I mean, Starts the, the pricing is... Yeah, two ninety nine or three ninety nine for whatever you need to do, and then you got like I said, you got to go buy like a thousand dollar monitor or whatever. If you're, if you're a pro, like a five K monitor, I guess. Um, so yeah, you're sort of in the same ballpark in terms of price, and you know, and, and you know, Apple, as I said before many times before, um, Apple's displays are superior to others. I don't know, maybe they get to hand pick the LCDs as they come off the tree, kind of thing. Um, but they always seem to have really good monitors. So I think that uh, yeah, the, the pro the pro is like a thousand dollars more than the top of the line. Mac Pro. I mean, the iMac Pro is $1,000 more than the Mac Pro. Um, I had a friend who just recently sold one. Like,
like I just did the numbers and for those of you from Canada here, we're talking six thousand six hundred and sixty-four sixty-five dollars, you know, to start at the Mac Pro. So, and I know a friend of mine who, who just sold his Mac Pro um, had paid around six thousand by the time he had added all the things into it that he felt he wanted. Never really felt satisfied with it, to be honest with you. That's what he sort of said. That's why he sold it. But uh, interesting stuff. Okay, let's move on to the next thing, which I believe is iOS, right? That's correct. iOS was the fourth sort of tentpole that they they wanted to talk about. Um, they showed a lot and something I think that had been talked about, but that nobody had really sort of really, really predicated themselves on was Apple Pay as a cash card that you can use for peer to peer payments. So if you're familiar with Venmo or I guess to a lesser extent, PayPal paying each other for, I don't know, the paying your share of the meal or, oh, thank you for getting the cab last night. I'll pay you back for my share sort of thing. This is really huge because this is something that I think will solidify payments on the sort of Apple ecosystem of the release. I, I don't know if it works at all for Android folks. I would guess probably not because they don't participate right, in, right. in Apple Pay. But there's folks wondering about like, oh, you know, like this is this whole peer-to-peer payment system is is fragmenting. You're like, well, yeah, because there hasn't been a default provider. Now, if you have an iPhone and it's reasonably new, you have Apple Pay there and it will be easier instead of wondering, oh, uh, what do you have? PayPal? No. Do you have Square Cash? No. You have Venmo? Okay, yeah, I do. Why even have that conversation? Like, oh, I see you have an iPhone. Great. I'm just going to Apple Pay you for the money that right, I exactly. Yeah. So that, I, I think we, we don't have these kind huge. of things. We don't have these kind of things in Canada right now, as far as I know. We don't have Venmo, and I'm not sure. I think we just got Square Cash, but yeah. Um. And full disclosure, I work in banking, and you, Jaime, work in banking, and I know that mm-hmm. our people are pretty excited about this. At least some of the people I've spoken to. Um. I don't know about you guys over there, but uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to make it easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and people were wondering like, oh, is it just like putting it on a gift card or something? And in my understanding for what they talked about is that you'll have some sort of card that you can use to transfer to your banks, such as either right. one of the banks that you and I work at, right? So I'm assuming you can just add the account number and, and just do an external transfer from your Apple Pay into whatever your favorite bank is. Right, right. So if you wanted yeah. to cash out, it's like, oh no, what am I going to do with this money? I, you know, I got paid for the cab and now I got to go buy like Smurf berries with my $20. No, no, no. This is like legitimate actual funds that you have. And sort of weirdly, it turns, people are saying, well, it turns Apple into a bank. And I'm, I'm guessing it's probably handled under the covers by Visa or, or some other intermediary. Yeah, I'm sure there's some financial vehicle that's car- carrying the cash uh, transfer, right? Yeah, somebody is the actual, I, I don't know if there's an equivalent in the um, in Canada, but in the United States, the FDIC is who ensure at the federal level, is who ensures the actual banks to say, oh, uh, we are going to guarantee that your money is there, regardless of what happens to the bank, up, up to a certain amount, of course. Yeah, we have something similar. Um, but I don't know what it is myself, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, we, we can skip about iMessage. I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't even know that Apple does, other than the fact that they added, you know, uh, Apple Pay. Oh, you can delete messages. That's there. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, it, yeah, they, they fixed a bug. It's like, oh, your messages are available on the Mac as well as your iPhone. I was like, oh, I thought they were before. I've seen them yeah, go to both so spots. Like, apparently, yeah. when I thought, oh, it, it's not syncing correctly, it's like, it never actually synced to begin with. So, Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> way to go wow. on Apple. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but more positively, so they, they talked about adding more of Siri intelligence on the device right, for machine right. learning, which I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more later. And of course, doing it in a very sort of privacy centric way of having things, you know, end to end encryption and doing as much of the device as possible. Sure. And also extending to uh, Siri tasks with apps, so you can add notes and and probably a couple other things. I haven't seen that particular session. Yeah, I saw the session today uh, or today or yesterday. Um, you 
can't. It, it, you can do. You can add. You can create lists, like to do lists and so that, so that kind of stuff. You can create reminders. You can create calendar events. Um, you can do transfers. Like you can. You can say, I want to transfer ten dollars from this account to that account, um, and it understands the nicknames of the accounts as well. Uh, what else did they say today? Um, and again, it's super easy to use, kind of thing. Uh, there's like a closure you, you set up, and away you go, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so they've added some functionalities, and I think like you know last year they had like what not five or six things intense that you could do it's all based on intense uh so everything's i n something um that they've added in for siri kit yeah it looks like 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 last year it was pretty limited in terms of what you could do this year seems to be a bit more intuitive and again uh, you know my 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 gut feel about it was the rollout was probably part of of educating and seeing how far they could go with that but but without you know taking their hands fully off the reins with us to run with it right sort of thing right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i mean the comments were that does more than ever and it siri understands you know so but you, you and you sort of talked about the um uh, the machine learning that's built in so that, that was one of the things they talked about with photos was more enhancements to live photo some things you can do um uh so without sp- oh, i guess i can spill the beans i did do go to the um machine learning um sessions a couple of them and actually i think they talk about it in, in the um the platform state of the union that uh the machine learning stuff is sort of all over the place it's in photos it's in uh where where we sort of guessed it was right um and uh, so they, so it's it's kind of rolled into this whole Siri thing as well to be able to gather gather and figure out what you're saying. Yeah, they they threw in machine learning in there to the point where if you had some sort of you know drinking game or you were keeping track, you would have given up or you would have blacked out long before you finished the keynote because uh, the count was up really high at, at one point. And when they got to talking about Core ML, their sort of framework for machine learning and all sorts of different neural networks, um, it was pretty clear that that Apple is taking it serious. And that's good. Sure. That's a good sign because their competitors certainly are. So this is really good to sort of have that table stakes of, of what's possible. Sure. So just scanning through my notes here, I didn't I didn't make any note. Here, here's my thing, that, which I'd learned after the first day or second day of, of uh, videos sessions. Uh, it's the drag and drop show, right? Um, it's the let's let's Sherlock, uh, <laughs> what are they, readable, right? Um, but I didn't make any notes in here. Didn't I, did they not talk about drag and drop in the, in, didn't Craig talk about that in iOS 11 talk? No, he talks about old? it in the in the fifth thing, which I think we'll get to in a little bit. Let's okay, finish okay. off. Let's finish off uh, iOS and uh, but yes, a drag and drop was definitely pretty important. But it's a little bit of a sneak yeah. preview for, for number five. Uh, continue on with some quick hits from iOS. They talked about indoor mapping for Apple Maps, right? Yeah, so of malls and airports. So pretty similar, I think, to what Google has has done. So yay, because that'll be good. They also talked about the lane assistance during navigation. So you're driving on the highway and and, you know, you, it tells you to turn right. It will now tell you right. to turn right and also make sure you stay in the second lane from the right because you're going to be making a left very soon. That's something I enjoy in Google Maps, and uh, this will be great to have in Apple Maps as well. Yeah, uh, Waze is dumb for that too, by the way. Waze, Waze doesn't tell you which lane to be in, which I don't like. But, I, you know, you said Google Maps does, right? Yes, yes. Okay, um, carry on. HomeKit, they have an update for AirPlay Oh, you too. forgot to. You got to do the flyby that they did, the drive-by that they did on CarPlay. <laughs> oh, I completely missed that. What was the CarPlay thing? So the CarPlay thing was uh, surprising to me uh, that I made a note of it that there's only 200 models that have CarPlay built in, which, I mean, there's got to be like thousands of models of cars out there, right? Driving Do Not Disturb is a new mode in, I'm not sure if it's in the, on the phone, so that if you're driving in a car, it'll recognize that you're moving at a certain velocity and it'll it'll basically put your phone into Do Not Disturb mode. And the joke with the interface was that when you look at the interface for this Do Not Disturb mode, it's basically a black screen. Um, right, and right. You can, 
you can also opt out of that. Like if you're the passenger, you can say, no, no, I'm the passenger. Let me have my phone. And that's fine. Um, and that's kind of sort of what they said about CarPlay and driving. And then they jumped into HomeKit, so you can jump in now. Sure, sure. With, with HomeKit, they talked about AirPlay 2, their sort of new protocol for doing multi-room audio. And they have a whole audio API on that. And that is sort of a spoiler for topic number six that we'll end up talking about. So keep that in mind. They also updated Apple Music, where now you have some sort of friends and profile and shared playlists. Uh, I assume it's going to work very similar to the way this works on Spotify. Mm, a little less clear how it's going to work in the context of Apple Music, because we don't really have a social network sort of to begin with on iOS itself yeah. or from Apple itself. It's and the also, music kit you're talking about, right? Music, well, kit? music kit is the other thing for music kit for accessing Apple Music um, on the device and in the cloud sort of seamlessly. This is something that I'm actually interested in tinkering with, um, at least for an app idea I've had for a little bit that I, I don't think I'll talk about on the show. So you can have okay. beers with me or, or see me at a conference or something. We talk about what that is. Um, Buy but, him a burrito. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving to the next thing. What else do I have here? They talked about the App Store, you know, all sorts of stats. Yeah. The mm. App Store has been redesigned, so it doesn't look sort of old and tired as, as a design. It's, it's new and hot and fresh for the cool kids. So I had a quick chat with Joe Kosilinski when I because I downloaded iOS 11 onto I have a spare iPhone 5S um, that I, I just had lying around. So I, I loaded up uh, um, iOS 11 on it yesterday and I looked at the App Store. And my impression is, yeah, okay, it's got a nice clean design, which is what Joe was saying he liked about it. But um, I find that like this whole idea of featured now kind of really obfuscates the fact that there are other apps on the App Store, right? Um, I don't know if you've had a look at it yet, but that was my first gut feeling about it was that, you know, we're going to have to do more work to do our marketing and stuff like that. But uh, I found like, you know, if you go to the App Store just to look and see what's there, you kind of, you sort of see Monument Valley 2 and a couple of other things that are kind of being featured by Apple. But what did you, did you have any in, in idea about the design? Tammy, do you have anything to say about this? Do you have a rant for us or something? No rant, only because I played with the new App Store for like maybe two minutes to go grab myself Affinity Photo and Swift Playgrounds. Right. <laughs> that was it. I mm. jumped in and jumped out. <laughs> so, yeah. So you let the cat out of the bag there with Affinity Photos. Um, I am no good. No good, I say. No, it's okay. We had Ash. Uh, Ash, what's his last name? Lucen, I think. Luce. Oh, I don't. I can't. We had it. Ash from Infinity Photo on Roundabout a couple of uh, months ago, talking about, and he was sort of saying, kind of dropping hints about something for the iPad coming, and he kept talking about Infinity Photo. Is Infinity Photo on the Mac App Store too, Tammy? Do you know? Yes, it is, and I I love it on the on the on the Mac, and I love it now on the iPad, and right. it's like my new favorite app. So. So was it, it on the store before? before affinity the photo? Mac App Store before? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's oh, okay. been out for a so while. So coming to the iPad is the new thing, right? Coming to the iPad is the new thing. And it was really good to yeah. see Ash up on stage at WWDC. I never, I didn't expect that. So when I heard him talking, I looked over, I'm like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they all, they all, on the other Slack channel, they said, isn't that the, the roundabout guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, you, sorry, sorry, Tommy, back to, the, back to the real threat. The App Store, the App Store. I mean, so, Tim, you're talking about the the app store redesign i mean it, it, if you're an indie developer out there and you're hoping that you know this thing that you've put all your blood sweat and tears into will be front and center um i mean the fact of the matter is no unless they on the editorial team think oh wow they also agree that this is a great app and they feature it right it, it doesn't show a higher density of apps and i think it's been quite a long time since people have been able to just sort of casually browse through random right, right. parts of the app store and find apps they're just way too too many. I mean, you could look at one, you know, per second, and you probably would never finish during your lifetime, is what I would guess. I've not done the mass myself, but like, there's new apps coming out all 
all the time is just an unending problem. So from that perspective, it, it is unfortunate. I mean, of course, the, the big players like Monument Valley will, will get sort of you know, their props and, and everything you know, if it comes out of, you know, like Adobe and all these other big hitters. But that's that's been true of the App Store for a while. And I think what this does is it does give you sort of a nicer way to sort of put your, your best foot forward on these things. And I think Apple has been hinting at this sort of thing for a while when they started doing the, you know, several redesigns ago. And then, of course, also the ads as well, right? So right, paid ads, yeah. I, know, I know folks are not super happy about that, but it, it is a way for people to find your app within the App Store, right? That's just sort of like a, a business reality of like, you know, in the real world, you got to put out coupons or you got to have an ad on the local news channel or, or whatever the case may be. It's it's no longer the, the time at which Apple itself will be the one providing sort of the, the marketing for you, but at least they have the audience there, right? The, the fact that you are in the App Store means that somebody can download your app. So that's still great and good. Joel and Charles have said on the release notes a number of times that you really got it. You And we've all said this before. You got, just because you put an app on the App Store doesn't mean you're going to sell something. You have to do the website. You have to do the marketing. You have to do the Facebook account and the Twitter account. And, and you have to build the buzz around the product for people to find it. Because, you know, like, it's just, it's gone. Disco- app discovery on the App Store is kind of, I think, like you're saying, has been gone for a while. That said, another thing that they added this this turnaround with, um, with the App Store is the ability to feature in-app purchases, which I thought was kind of interesting. Did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm kind of curious to see what that ends up looking like for different kinds of apps, because let's back up just a half step and talk about the fact that they separated out games and apps. So they're actually right. two yes. different tabs, which yeah. I think is it's about time because although games are technically apps, they're really not apps, right? They're, right, right. they're It's like, you know, squares and rectangles, right? Uh, you know, every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. And I think that's true <laughs> of games, of like games just operate in a completely different sort of level. Their business model is completely different uh, from everything else in the app store. If you're a productivity app, if you're a music app, your lifestyle app, all of those things have enough differences. And then way out there on Pluto is games in terms of like how close these things are. Same solar system, but not even vaguely related. So I think that's good because if you're the type of person that's going in for games, you're going to go to the games tab and you're going to have a more focused experience around games. If you're going to look for other kinds of apps, productivity and, and lifestyle shopping, that sort of thing, you can go into this other more focused experience. So I think that's good, right? Because, you know, if I'm looking for a great shopping app, I really don't need to see Minecraft. Like, okay, of course Minecraft is there, but that's that's great in the games world. This is this other world that I think is going to, you know, affect a little bit of what you'll see in, in these different lists. So I think that's good. And, and, and for games, I think, you know, uh, mentioning what the, you know, the featuring the, oh, uh, get like a season pass to, I don't know, like Monument Valley. I don't know if I have some sort of downloadable content sort of thing or, or other bits. It might make sense. You might say, oh, uh, this is the kind of app that looks like it has really cool stuff. I don't mind paying for the app purchase. For productivity, I kind of wonder how it's going to work. I mean, are you going to put forth your like subscription model or upgrade to the pro version? It's less clear to me how like cool or exciting that featuring will be, but it's good that it's there. So the big moment, of course, Mark's not here for the big reveal, but they announced Core ML, which is machine learning tools for um, iOS and for macOS and so on and so forth, right? Indeed. Yeah. So I don't know if I, I don't know if you, I guess you said you haven't seen the sessions, but I so I went to the Core ML session and it's pretty much like they've made it. Uh, they they use a um, a third party uh, utility or library for a lot of the machine learning, but they kind of hook it up for you. You kind of you opt you opt into using Core ML and uh, you feed in a few things and depending on what kind of in the demo they, that they ran, depending on the kind of uh, learning library you you added your your file 
file, you may add something that might be 20 megabytes or 50 me- or 5 megabytes, depending on what the algorithm is that you want to use. And interesting, uh, and you'll find this interesting uh, time is that they, they did a, f- a flower uh, detecting app as their as their example app, right? Um, you know, and so it, it is pretty simple to, it, I'm sure, I mean, I've already seen one, thing, one guy on Twitter who's ordered something with, oh, like it was VR, sorry, never mind that. But um, yeah, it's interesting that, that it's that simple. It's, you know, like you know, Apple has been, we've had machine learning, you know, in different phases all around the world and, and Google had, Google's IO had a lot of emphasis on machine learning. And I think Apple has it, has it too. And, you know, and we've talked about, you know, photos having machine learning in it before and uh, they, 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 uh, Siri uses machine learning as well. So um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty sweet little technology they've added for another tool for us to basically get, you know, make some neat apps with, right? Indeed. I don't remember, what did they demo with uh, on the keynote? I can't remember now. Or is that the Vision Core API? ML. Oh, Vision API and language detection. I think those are part of Core ML, right? I think that's probably where they demonstrated that. Yeah. yeah. And yes, it is technically part of that. Yeah. And then we get to the pirating. That's Arr- my favorite. <laughs> kit or, or kit if you're not a pirate. Yeah. So what do you want to tell us? What do you know about our kit there, Tommy? Well, it's it's Apple's sort of first official foray into augmented reality. That's the AR. And I think last episode we were talking about you know, what were our predictions and AR kit is one of those things that I was predicting. But what I didn't know is which route were they going to go? Were they going to go the Google route where Google's AR is trying to understand the world? You know, you hold up the camera and it shows you, oh, uh, this thing is, uh, or this thing I'm looking at is a restaurant and here's the relevant Yelp review and here's the hours of operation and their menu and all sorts of things. Or the Facebook route where Facebook's camera system uh, and also for Instagram is trying to be more like Snapchat where you're overlaying the world and putting um, experiences there that don't actually exist. It could be funny face filters. It could be, uh, I think they give an example of Ikea where you're, you know, showing like, what would this furniture look like in my actual room sort of thing without having actual sort of headset that you're wearing. This is still sort of freeform using your iPhone or your iPad to, to do that. And um, well, they, they went with the latter. Uh, spoilers. They went with the camera side where oh, man. they've got really good looking <laughs> AR that, that looks really easy to, to use. I've, I've only seen what they showed in the keynote and the platform say the union. There, of course, was also a session that, I don't know, I've seen people um, on Twitter showing off these different things that they did. Sounds like it's relatively easy to do. So I think it's great. It's another tool in our tool belt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was the, one of the tweets I saw was a guy had taken his Strava data and put it, mapped it onto a table in front of you. And then you could sort of move around it and see his ride, as it were. It looks sort of on the detailed on the on the uh, topographic uh, mountains and stuff like that. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. So, which brings us to another piece of hardware that we, uh, we predicted. So, but by the way, how did we do on our, we had six things we had predicted more or less. I think you were keeping count during the, during the podcast or during the uh, keynote, but did you, I, think I didn't you keep track of everybody else's four for six or something like that or predictions. Let's see. So, so far I had AR kit, which great. I, I got that one. I mentioned third party watch faces, which did not happen. So boo on that. Boo. And two of the other picks we will get to when we get to step six, because right now it sounds uh, like Tim, you want to go to step number five and that is the iPad. Oh, is that number five? Oh, I'm lost now. Okay, yeah, step number five. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the iPad. I'm going in order, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they, they came out with a, a an iPad uh, 10.5 inch, with which gives them a wider, like, less less edge edge on the uh, edges, you know, what do you call the frame around the outside of the... Uh, the bezel? The uh, screen. Yeah, the bezel. Yeah, sure. Um, one pound. Um, I'm kind of cur- furring my brow right now because they said it had a full-size keyboard, or I guess the screen was big enough to have a full-size keyboard. I have an iPad Pro 9.7 and I have a 12.9. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. And they... <laughs> I always get that mixed up. Why can't they just make it half an inch? Oh, they did. Never 
mind. Um, but uh, yeah, like my, <laughs> no, there's my, another my number big... for you to remember because remember it used to be nine point seven and twelve point nine. I, I actually lived that in my head because you, you taught me that trick before. <laughs> and even Apple itself, like the the presenter said, thirteen inches. Like mm, it's not really no. thirteen inches. I think you're okay. stealing uh, a little bit there. But okay, I get what right. you mean. Twelve point nine is close enough to thirteen inches. Yeah, but what's interesting about it, of course, and it has full size keyboard, arguably has True Tone, which the nine point seven had. And I'm saying this in past tense because we have to have a memorial in a few minutes. Uh, the PR6 uh, color space um, as well. So that and so what happened is it's not the 12.9 that got replaced. It's the 9.7 that got replaced by the 10.5. Are you still with me? Effectively, so, yes. So you have two iPad Pros, a big one with with without true true tone and without PR6. I don't. Well, I'm not sure if it has a PR6. I don't think it does. And then um, and then you got this one because the 9.7 had the better color and the better better uh, ambient adjustments, right? Which is true tone. So yeah. So the, the low the low end model of the Pro series is now the 10.5. So and that was a short life that that other one lived. Mind you, I guess it was April of last year, April 2016. So yeah, so I guess a full year and a bit, year and a half. And which you know now I think about it, 18 months was the old re- replacement cycle back in the day when uh, when they were on a regular regular replacement cycle. So there you go. Yeah. So promotion. I, apparently, I've been saying promotion wrong all my life. It's promotion. If you capitalize the M in the middle, yes, it becomes ProMotion TM. Probably I didn't check the slide to see if it was like that. Yeah, yeah. So what is ProMotion? My understanding is that it's the way that they're going to make the screen refresh adaptable. So normally right, you'd have yeah. something at 60 hertz. This goes up to 120. But there are cases where you don't need that speed, right? They, they mention sort of the step down where you're viewing a movie where you wouldn't want that full speed because right, right. as like, what is it, The Hobbit that was 48 frames? per second so the typical 24 it looked oh, a little it really? weird wow. to folks wow. um, hmm. and then of course the other thing is if you're looking at a still image you really don't need to refresh anything even right, close right. to that amount of speed because you're, you're just burning time and energy for that so that, that's part of what I wrote on on promotion pro right. so, and so the 120 uh, frames per second that's for the uh, high-end gaming right Temi yeah Temi? mostly for the VR I was I was on mute sorry <laughs> mostly yeah. for the VR yeah right right yeah so the, and this is one that has the new A10X processor with six cores, three for one thing and three for another, which I didn't capture in my notes. I don't know if you guys did. Um, apparently, six, 30% faster than the A9s, right? So mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah, more upgrades, right? Like the, the camera does 4K video, a FaceTime camera that's been upgraded, and image stabilization. And of course, it comes in all sorts of wonderful flavors of storage spaces. I think up to 512 gigabytes, I think is what I wrote. Really? That's correct. Wow. It's crazy. Um, but then, I think they start talking about the software side of the iPad. And I think, Tim, that's where you were talking about earlier about drag and drop and other things that go with that. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, so this is where Ash Houston, I apologize for not getting his name earlier, he was a guest on Roundabout. He's the sales manager, managing director or something like that, I think. Started out in the the shipping area and worked his way up over 20 years. And now he's the um, managing director. Is that correct, Tammy? Or, sorry, Tammy? That is correct from what I remember, yeah. So he works for Serif is the name of the company, right? And they produce... Affinity Draw and now Affinity Pro Photo Aff- on the iPad. Affinity Designer. Affinity Designer. What did I say? Yeah, whatever. Affinity Draw. <laughs> Didn't say Quark Express. That's all. 
Um, <laughs> so anyway, so uh, another note about this thing: uh, USB three charging on the um, iPad ten point five. Which now another fur bra moment. Did they mention that it doesn't have lightning cable? It must have a lightning cable for the old folks who are using the old computers. Thoughts? That is a really good question. I don't actually remember what that port looked like. It does offer fast charging. I don't recall if it yes. offered um, yeah. what the particular port looked like. But yeah, I just uh, I remember the comment about uh, USB three, and I, I was paying attention to something shiny at the time, and and I was going to ask you guys if you caught that moment. Maybe our fans could let us know with an Ask NTJC tag, right? Well, I'll use negativity as the barometer, where it almost certainly has to be a lightning port, because if it wasn't, there would be people freaking out left and right about fragmentation of ports if it was USB-C, right. as an example. Well, you know, here's the thing. So the new chargers that come with your MacBook Pros are USB-C cables, right? So you've got the brick, and then you've got a USB-C, USB-C port on on the brick. So you no longer have the little wings that you can wrap the cord around, right? And mm-hmm. so that goes, so it's USB-C on the brick and it's USB-C on the Mac. So this makes sense that it would be a USB-3 charge because then you would have a, a USB-C on the brick and then you would have a, a lightning on the other end for the iPad. And then you could use that with your MacBook Pro because it would be a USB-C cable, right? True. And with the fast charging, you could probably just charge up the iPad really fast and then turn sure. your attention back towards the MacBook. Yeah. I, well, mm-hmm. one thing I can say about my my, um, my MacBook, my, sorry, my MacBook, my iPad Pro 12.7 is um, it takes a long time to charge and it's sitting here on the desk and I probably haven't used it in a couple of days and it's, and it's losing power as I'm looking at it. So it's kind of like... It's a very, very strange power. It, I mean, it does last for a good long time, but better than the phone does. But I, it does sort of have some weird sort of, compared to other iPads, uh, power uh, power habits, right? So anyway, that brings us to the big uh, the big giant uh, elephant in the room, which is not going to be available till much later. You want to tell us what that is, Jaime? Are we jumping in time here to number six? Uh, is that was number six was the was the, the, the this cat scratch post? Indeed. The, uh, what was previously called the Siri speaker, because nobody knew a better name. Apple apparently has a better one, and they're calling it the HomePod. Wait, Ooh. wait, HomePod. Wait. Let that sit Boom. in there. Better one? I don't know about that. <laughs> better. You, yeah, exactly. you can't see because this is an audio-only medium. Better. I've, I've got air quotes. Oh, okay. That's right better. here. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're supposed to say the air quotes. Yeah, go ahead. Better than than Siri speaker is HomePod. Apparently, because well, if you remember, of course, the iPod, the original pod, was based on audio, and they've also had the EarPods, followed by the Air pods, both of which are buds that put music right into your delightful ears. And now they have the home pod because it plays music and it is in your home as opposed to being right, out on the bus, right? right? You're not going to carry this in your backpack. Right. Mm-hmm. This, uh, well, so, so this gets sort of back to the, the other prediction I had about the series speaker and, and what it would be there. And I don't know, I'm going to give myself 50% credit on, on this one because <laughs> it's, it's yes and no in terms of whether this is what I thought it was going to be. The yes is the fact that it does include Siri as an assistant that you can use with HomeKit and integrate into your life. No, in that they really de-emphasized Siri. It was kind of a, oh, by the way, there's Siri. Okay, thanks, bye. At the very tail yeah, end. Well, yeah, yeah. So it, Everything was more like, oh, this is a high-end speaker, and they did 
everything except say Sonos's name as a this is Sonos um, you know competitor with an Apple branded logo on it. Right, right. You think? Oh, okay. So, so well, see, I my, I saw your comments on Twitter. I think on on Slack about this, but I think that it comes down to they they don't you know how they only don't, they don't discuss technology before it gets released kind of thing. So I think that my prediction may be that that uh, what do you call it an Alexa where you have the uh, sketches or whatever you can do for Alexa um, skills uh, skills yeah I, th- I think there is going to be a skills equivalent for the HomePod in fact who knows maybe we can get lucky and get a developer HomePod mm-hmm. you know so we can get to play around with it not before I get my developer iMac Pro <laughs> <laughs> per- yeah yeah forgot we need the developer iMac Pro Tim if you're listening make sure that happens right all right Mr. Cook I mean going down sort of the things that you talked about it is something that has uh, seven beam forming tweeters so it will use that plus the six microphone array to sort of try to understand the shape and layout of your room so that it, it can sort of really fill the room with high quality audio here right so it's oh so the tweeter does that yeah okay. it's a little bit distinct from the amazon echo or the google home and that both of those they do have speakers and they are okay no one's going to call them good they're the sort of things that you right, hook up right. to a legitimate sound system and in this case the sound system is the home pod so it's kind of a, a different approach uh of course it integrates with apple music and as of this recording nobody is really sure if it's only apple music like could i play mm. spotify or pandora on there nobody really knows yet but as of this point of, of course it's got apple music because that makes sense um it also has um the ability to play podcasts so perhaps in the future if you buy one of these you can listen to this wonderful podcast and it has the ability to play podcasts i thought you were kidding about that no that, they actually called that out so i was like yay more than just code and roundabout listen to both of the release notes and other friends of the yeah. show that i'm probably forgetting um <laughs> and it does have uh the home assistant siri on there you can ask it sort of typical things like how's the weather sports scores that sort of stuff that you would want to do they really emphasize the fact that this is something that's going to try to protect your privacy in that uh very similar to the google home and the amazon echo nothing is sent to apple until it recognizes the fact that you said hey followed by the word siri so it's not sort of right, actively right. you know streaming stuff to apple uh you know having conversations or you're making all sorts of bodily noises in your room sort of thing um and it also apparently uses some sort of anonymous id when it sends the request so unlike the echo and unlike the google home this isn't from what i can tell personalized it, it's more of a you know like, like a anonymized oracle that you're sort of talking to so i'll be interested to see how, how that sort of works out right. and uh <laughs> They mentioned that they mentioned all sorts of crazy pricing things. I'm not even going to repeat because I think they were absurd. But their their main point was don't be shocked by this price, which is $349 US. It will be available in December in the United States, the UK, and the Australia continent. And I have no idea why New Zealand and Canada and other various former British colonies are not on there. I mean, they figured out how to pump the U's for the UK. I'm pretty sure right. they can do that for Canada as well. Maybe there's something behind there. Um, notably, what they didn't talk about, which gets to my my other pick of like, oh, maybe they'll have an advanced cloud kit where we can do you know server-side Swift hosted through Apple stuff. None of that. They didn't talk about any of that. And they didn't even really hint at the fact that it would be you know expandable in the future, which is a little bit weird considering that it's a developer conference that this is at. And it, it has me sort of wondering what I'll end up doing on this because before when I was making my predictions, I was like, all right, this is Apple. You know, what what should the assistant or, or what should the speaker cost? I'm like, well, the competitors are around. Let's 
say 199 for what the Amazon Echo debuted at. All right, 199. Um, oh, it's going to have you know nicer audio. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me take that into account. Oh, and it's Apple, so it's already a hundred dollars more expensive. So okay, so it goes up <laughs> to at least from 199 to 299. Nicer audio. All right, 349 is what I was predicting, and I was right on the nose. Um, but since they didn't talk about the developer story, it has me sort of hesitant of like, okay, do I want to buy one of these or not? I mean, if it was a Siri speaker and it's something that's going to be extensible and you can write code for it and, you know, become a true, you know, virtual assistant competitor, I think it'd be all in on it for sure. Since they didn't talk about it, I'm like, well, do I really need like a high quality speaker? Like I've, I've got speakers. I don't really need to replace them. If it's not right. extensible, um, I don't know if I will, will buy that. So that's where I think they really need to answer that story. Cause at least for somebody like me, who's a big fan of these kinds of things, I should be saying, holy smokes, here's my money. Take it now. Instead, I'm like, uh, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether I'm going to buy this or not. Yep. Yep. All right. Was there anything else at WWDC? Like I said, I got kicked out of the room. So no, that's where they, they ended up at least in the keynote talking about, you know, all their various stuff. Um, right. I, I find it a little bit interesting in the way that they're approaching it, whether it kind of feels like the reason they de-emphasized Siri and didn't have even a story that says, oh yeah. And then you'll be able to expand this. You know, we're not good, we're not ready to talk about WDC. We'll do some tech talks or something. It kind of feels like an admission that Siri is in fact behind what Google and Amazon are doing. And even Apple itself knows. Otherwise it mm. was a very sort of tepid step into that direction where it feels more like, well, we can sell a high end speaker. Great. You don't need Siri for that. It doesn't need to be HomeKit enabled. Why would it be? Why don't I just use my iPhone to do the HomeKit stuff or my iPad right. or my Apple TV? What, like what, what does this bring to the table? If not for the fact that it can be a, a speaker assistant. So that one's a little bit odd. I feel like it was a more muddled story than, than I think they should have gone in with. Mm-hmm. So do you think we have time to whip through the platform State of the Union? What do you think? Because that could be almost as long as what we just did for the keynote. Yeah, let me look at my notes here. Um, it's not as long as the keynote. Uh, I didn't write as many notes. I only have three and a half pages on it. <laughs> what are you, Tammy? I saw it, and I can't remember a darn thing from it, but I know as soon as one of you guys mentions it, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Because yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've been watching as many live sessions as I can. So, okay, so this is a developer podcast, I like to think. So let me let me whip through it, right? So, well, I mean, refactoring. Hello. Okay. Oh, and Xcode 9. We didn't talk about that at all. No, I mean, that came into the platform State of the Union, which, again, is the real po- real keynote for developers. Yeah, so they did demo refactoring. It's back to where kind of where it, they treated it like it was brand new because, yes, it's working in Swift, and that should be given all kinds of kudos. It took some of the UI enhancements that they used in Swift Playgrounds, like, you know, when you when you grab a block of code, it kind of highlights the scope with this new sort of graphic that came out of the play, Playgrounds. Uh, but, yeah, so now you can grab a, a chunk of code that you have, and you can extract it out to a its own standalone function and it'll create a call back call to it uh, inside of uh, where, where it originally was coming from so that's kind of cool that was we had that in, in Objective-C I think in Xcode 6 let's say maybe earlier because um, I remember teaching people about that kind of stuff um, so they and they've open sourced the refactor engine which is kind of cool um, another piece that they talked about in the platform State of the Union was the, what's new in Swift 4 we kind of talked about that last week because and even in the intro to Swift talk they said that post that we, I think we quoted 
quoted about uh, from Oleg, who did the Swift Playground. They talked about that right off the top of the, sh- the thing, said that's exactly, if you've seen that before, you've seen what we're going to show. So they, you know, kind of went through strings and graphene number nine and different kind of performance enhancements there. Um, they talked about the codable, a new codable product um, protocol, which allows a number of enhancements to archiving and unarchiving, and also uh, in use of dealing with products or types, data types like JSON, which are loosely typed, you know, which always sort of conflict with, with Swift as a strongly typed thing. Codable, codable protocol may, now makes it easier to deal with those kind of things. So mm-hmm. um, building large mix and match Objective-C uh, platforms, they've improved the the um, uh, the build engine so that that's now 40% faster. Um, new indexers uh, that can still run in the background, but uh, uh, I think you can do multiple indexes at a time, if I recall. The new build system layers on top of LL build, um, so they have a new build system and build tools. Um, something that's not really relevant to me because I work with Bitbucket, but they've now built in GitHub access and source control directly into Xcode, so they refine the Xcode even more. Um, a guy named Mike Ferris came up and did demos of all the cool features that are now in Xcode. Um, yeah, that one's pretty nice. So we use GitHub Enterprise, and I've used GitHub before, and, and that integration is really super nice, especially because if you set up your Xcode account, or sorry, your GitHub account within Xcode, you then get the open in Xcode right, button yeah. on the web, which is really nice because nothing else that saves me the trouble of cloning or downloading the repo just so I can go investigate what's going on with you know some open source project. Right. And they probably probably put in a proper git ignore file, which was which is always something you had to add to yourself if you, if you were manually dealing with uh, with GitHub projects. Um, they have new sanitizers. Um, they, they had two things before, but the two new ones they added in here are the undefined behavior sanitizer and uh, a new one called main thread API checker, uh, which, by the way, is enabled by default. So it, it, and I, do you know how to explain those, Hame, at all? Sure, because I trip up on this all the time. But imagine you're doing something in the background, let's say like a network request, and then you want the results of that network request to do something like, let's say, update the database, or in this case, for the main thread, update your UI. Well, it's a big no-no to update the something that's on the main thread, like UI stuff, from background threads. And you will get penalized, and I know this very, very well, because I do it all the time, despite knowing better. Um, if you try to do this, you'll end up wondering, like, huh, isn't it not doing anything? What's going on? And then 10 seconds later, roughly, you'll see, oh, there's the result I wanted. Oh, dumb me. Yes, obviously, this thing is not going to get called and updated because I didn't update on the main thread. So this will give you a warning saying, like, oh, hey, by the way, you're trying to update something on the main thread from a background thread. You're sure, going to have yeah, to do yeah. the little dispatch async dispatch main sort of dance to get yourself back on there. Right, right. And, and this feature is enabled by default. That's another key point about that. Um, they went on to testing and integration. Um, Xcode servers now built into Xcode, so you don't have to have an X server which, or Mac Pro or whatever to run that on another machine. You can now run it directly in your own machine. Um, and you can re- UI test multiple apps at a time, and apparently the UI testing algorithms or whatever are three times faster. Maybe they're using Core ML. I don't know. Um, I can only guess. <laughs> I mean, you can but, parallelize <laughs> tests on devices. You can run multiple simulator sessions, which is great because yeah, I'm yeah, trying to... Cool, yeah. See, what does this look like on the iPhone SE? Okay, great. What does it look like on the 7 Plus? Oh, look, there's a great full rebuild and it's wiping out everything I'm doing when I just literally want to see both. Like, I know that storyboards and the whole way it previews that stuff makes it so you don't have to do as much of that just to sort of get UI working, but sometimes they really want to see how does it actually look and not just the preview. They've added the bezel back, right? Hmm? Right, right. And, and Tim? Oh, 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 wait. Wireless development. Yeah, you can that's now totally develop without plugging in a lightning cable. 
Well, you can. I heard I mean, it's a little slow, though. Has anyone actually tried it of the three of us? Because no, I have it, but no. I have heard it was slow. So they, they, they have not. Can they today. qualify slow? Like, does it depend on the size of your IPA or? Oh, that could be a factor. Yeah. Or is there just sort of like, look, you're, you're paying a 10 second penalty no matter what for startup sort of thing? Like what? I think it was the latter that? of that. Uh, what? The most disturbing thing I heard was, I think I'll wait till they get this a little bit better. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But at well, least it's I mean, an option, right? It wasn't before. So if you, you were out at a coffee shop and you forgot your bag of dongles, what were you going to do before? Oh, I guess, I guess I'm not testing on device right now. Whereas now you actually have a perhaps not quick way of doing this, but a possible way of doing it. I can't wait to try it out. So generally, what's new in Xcode session today, I think it was, or yesterday. And they demoed how, how pretty much it's like you just click a button. You have this little globe thing that appears. Both As long as both devices are on the same network, um, it, it will work. If, um, if, and if you're in a corporate network like I tend to work in, you can actually also just uh, hit it by by, um, by IP address, so you can actually query it that way. And you can also connect to an Apple TV. That's another main advantage for me is, I guess one of the one of the stoppers for me with, with developing on the IT, Apple TV is that in order to, you know, they give you the six-foot-long uh, USB cable, but, you know, who, how many people's couches are like six feet long, six feet away from their Apple TV, right? So wireless development work, works well with, in that way. Um, oh, and this is this must be where we where we got to the drag and drop portion of the show here, I mean, because they talked about the in the IP, IP API section about this new drag and drop API, um, and it's it literally is. I saw I saw a couple of uh, talks on that today. It's pretty simple to add, um, so uh, easy and safe to use, um, and very similar to the you know creates a snapshot when you th- when you tap on something and you drag over to another application. That other application has to have the ability to receive um, what you're going to the data you're going to draw. And uh, so there's like a whole bunch of different protocols, like there's cancel, there's if somebody gives up, and they have all these pre-made animations that happen when you do drag and drop, but you can also customize them with your own animations. That's kind of cool. So if you haven't seen the drag and drop uh, stuff, it's kind of interesting uh, to see that. Um, what else is yeah, that thing was really well done. I, I only saw that sort of displayed in the what's new in Cocoa Touch right. session that I've been able to get to. And sort of the short of it is, if you understand how gesture recognizers work, you know, conceptual you understand how this drag delegate works. It's pretty much the same kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, and they talked about, uh, of course, Eliza was demoing that in the intro to Cocoa Touch. Um, APFS cloning, they talked about that really quickly. Um, And then, yeah, they demoed how you can drag items on an iPad, uh, can drag between different applications. And they had this sort of like, you know, um, I was watching their hands when they were demoing this. I think Craig did demo this too, right? Um, But the sort of, all the sort of gestures you have to do, and it looked really, really strange. I don't think my mom could ever learn how to drag and drop. Um, yeah, the yeah, multi, so you, like true multi-touch there, right? Where you're dragging an item and then you use another hand or finger to tap another item that then becomes part of the drag. Like there's all these nifty, cool sort of power user moves that I kind of wonder how they deal with from an accessibility standpoint. Like, right, what if, right. But if I only have one hand, but if I don't have any hands, like how, how does that work? And <laughs> Apple's, I mean, it sounds crazy, right? But like Apple's really good at accessibility and I'm really wondering maybe, how. Maybe. Siri drag and drag drop and drop. works for them. Maybe, maybe. Siri can drag maybe and drop, like yeah. select this thing now, drag it and drop it to this other thing. Maybe I don't know. If somebody knows out there. Give us a shout out on uh, hashtag AskMTJC. <laughs> sure. So the uh, UI drag protocol is a protocol is struggling to have, and there's UI collection view drag and drop as well. And so anything like things like um, table views and collection views that already have all these kind of animations, I think these kind of work pretty pretty seamlessly with that. Adobe came out and demonstrated drag and drop in their Adobe Sketch product, and then once they had the drawing finished, they were able to drag it and drop
up in other places. So then we come to a one weird thing, which is this giant title bar thing that they've gone with. Um, and it has to do with self-sizing cells and that kind of stuff. And they've moved some of the, the refresh animation and things like that up into this into this giant title bar. And, you know, as you scroll down the page, it kind of squishes down to a standard size, um, what we would think of as a standard size title bar. So I'm, I, I'm not sure. It's kind of, To me, it looks something like something you would do on the web with a, with a um, uh, what do you call it? It begins with a P, uh, parallel. Like a progressive web app? Yeah, no, it's called, um, it'll come back to me in a minute. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like a web drag where, you know, you drag and, you're, and you're, you have your big fat logo at the top of your page. And as you start to scroll down, it squishes into a little tiny one. So I don't know why Apple's gone that way. I guess, I don't, what do I know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and it has to do with cell sizing cells. And if you've adopted size classes and, and auto layout and all, and standard, um, storyboard kind of pro- processes, then you get this for free. So, you know, it, it already comes out of the can. Um, yeah, it's part of the whole new design language. So for those of you trying to visualize it, so if you remember what, let's see, Apple news and Apple music on iOS 10 look like, where they have the very, very large title kind of off to the side, it's left aligned, a very large navigation bar. And then now they, as Tim mentioned, they have the search controller sort of integrated right into that. And as you scroll content out of the way, it squishes back down into what's sort of a normal size. I don't I haven't looked pixel per pixel to see if it's actually the same size as an existing navigation bar. I think it's slightly smaller. It reminds me more for the animation wise, at least of, of squishing the bar out of the way. It kind of looks like the Facebook app on iOS. And, and there's certainly other apps <laughs> that do this too, but that's the one that comes to mind of, you know, you've got this sort of fat title bar at the top and then it scrolls out of the way as you scroll, you know, down into your content. And if you scroll back up, it sort of comes back into play. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly where they're going with it. I'm not sure. It, it seems to hint at something that's going to be going on with the you know, the upcoming iPhone in the fall. Um, when I look at this design language, it looks very reminiscent of material design on Android, where you have a very large title, it's left aligned, you have you know other things going on with the toolbar. Um, from the What's New in Cocoa Touch session, they were talking about the fact that you have new layout guides. So if you're familiar in auto layout of having the top layout guide and the bottom layout guide, you actually really should be switching over to the, what is it, like safe, safe area? Safe area is one of the new guides. features we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you end up getting a lot of the stuff for free, which is which is great. It, it's a weirdo name of safe area because it sounds like a panic room or a safe space where, you know, bad well, things are not going to happen to you. Let me say this about that. We've had safe area in print and publish forever because when you're talking about binding a, 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 a book, a piece of paper, whatever, sometimes you end up having to make the paper sizes actually smaller in, in the process of cutting the, pap- the paper down. So there's always sort of been this concept of, of safe area and if you're doing a billboard advertisement or something that's going to be framed above a urinal for instance uh, print ads you know like that kind of stuff you want to be, make sure that you've got enough uh, area around the frame so that idea of having a buffer all the way around your ad content and your, your wording or whatever you don't want that to get cut off so we've already sort of had that and um, it also keeps it away from the the edge of the screen where where a lot of ui gestures and that kind of stuff happen right like the swiping down and swiping up and that kind of stuff to get the notifications of the control panel and that kind of stuff. Um, and the one other thing too about the very important thing is on televisions because TVs, um, they don't actually, uh, they, there's always an over, what they call an over buffer or an overrun where the image kind of bleeds up to the edge because the monitor itself is going to crop that in. So you don't want your content you know, running off into the edge, which is going to be cut off by the television. So that's where safe error comes from in my mind. And that's kind of sort of what they're doing here with, with, uh, with this new concept here in, in uh, iOS 11. Right? Oh, cool. I, l- I learned some today. 
I, I thought it was a weird name, but if it actually comes from the print design world, then what yeah, you just explained makes a yeah. lot of sense. A lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was going to say, I, the, the, the thing that it does seem to hint at is that the larger phones are sort of the right, focus, right? right like right. the, if you're a iPhone SE, if you love the four inch phone, the design of iOS is kind of leaving you behind. And I know that's unfortunate because there are many folks who sort of like the smaller form factor, but from what I can tell, this eats up a lot of visual real estate. Sure, so yeah. it seems like you got to go at least to the, oh, what is the seven, four point four point seven five inch? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Um, Something like that. Or, yeah. or the five and a half inch plus or whatever the aspect ratio is, or what the size is it being for the iPhone 8, iPhone 10, iPhone super expensive edition, whatever it tends up being, it's going to be a large phone, uh, no smaller than I think screen size, uh, regardless of how big the body is you know, with regards to right. the bezel, screen size is going to be at least iPhone 7 size. So kind of seems like that's the wave of the future for Apple's design language. Yeah. So before we move on, because we kind of skipped ahead a bit, was there's a new concept of files and they've now built in a document browser. Um, I made my first folder yesterday. I feel so empowered, you know, um, that I was able to make a folder and put a note inside that folder, you know, or <laughs> um, <laughs> so they've got this. And I think next year they're going to come up with desktop. I've said that a number of times, but um, yeah, so it's kind of kind of a cool little uh, um, item there and you can have folders in your notes app and I guess in your, I don't know where else you could have folders, but it may have something to do with the drag and drop paradigm as well, right? So. Yeah. I mean, they've also got the files app that is like right. Finder, but you know, for iOS. So it's got iOS in mind. Uh, we kind of skipped over now that I think about it, the fact that they showed off this whole um, more Mac, Mac OS style dock for the iPad where you can slide it up from the bottom. The app strip, right? Yeah. That's a, sort of the dock. That's actually the next thing that comes up on my notes. Oh, really? I remember the app strip being talked about for iMessage apps where instead of kind of wondering where in the world is that sticker pack, you can sort of look at the strip and bring it up sort of seamlessly instead of, oh, which of these weirdo icons do I need to press to go to the app store for message you know, message apps or sticker packs sort of thing? Is that what they actually called the... the... I th- I've got app strip in my notes here, so I kind of wonder what that is. Yeah, that, Is that only on the iPad Pro or the iPad or iPads in general? Or? I think. I don't know. I have, I've not loaded the that app strip or that little, that little dock. Let's call it the dock for now, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. You're talking about the little dock where you had like four or five icons in it, right? Yeah, and it's got the predictive area as well where it sort of thinks you might be using things. So if you imagine the macOS dock that shows sort of you know all these apps that are there, and it, it, you can have it come up at any point that you want. Well, hey, wait a minute now. If they're, they're going to come out with an iPhone that has a Touch ID under the glass and the display goes top to bottom, they're going to need somewhere to put your app icons like a dock. Yeah, and, and more like a legitimate sort of dock that the macOS system has rather than the four icon four. Yeah, I think it's four. Yeah, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, they're like four four icons that you can't move around that are just sort of like in their own special place sort of thing, right? That they act different. It's like a predefined area as opposed to dock where you can have yeah. the dock on macOS hide itself, and then when I need it, I can go to a particular screen edge, right. and it sort of just shows its, itself. Six six apps on the six apps on the iPad, four apps on the iPhone. Yeah, so definitely bringing up you know some of these macOS concepts to iOS, and, and at least particularly for the iPad, um, which is interesting. Like there were some folks I think who take it differently. I've seen two different approaches to react 
reacting to this. One was, but they said that they would never, you know, that, that you wouldn't want to have macOS on, you know, the iPhone or the iPad, that it's, it's different and simplified. And I, I can see that approach. Um, on the other side, there's folks like, oh, well, we've been dealing with files and folders for 35 years. It's not that hard. It, it's great. They've got it. I would say no to that one, because if you've ever done technical support through any of your less tech savvy family members, nobody, like he says with air quotes here, nobody outside of like, you know, normal technical savvy folks understands how files work. Right, right. Nine times out of 10, everybody's got stuff either sitting on their desktop or sitting in like their documents folder. There's no concept of hierarchy. <laughs> it's just like this weird random mess of things. I appreciate the fact that iOS doesn't force you to have to learn what file systems seem like and how stuff like the Finder works. But yeah. now they're moving away from the dogmatic thing of, oh, well, you can't understand it, so don't even bother. Like, no, if you want, <laughs> if you want to go into the advanced mode, if you understand how files and file systems work, great, go make folders. You know, this is my work folder, or this is project A, and this is project B. Right. Go have fun. It, I think it's great that, that, that they sort of like, they have it on rails for most people who sort of need, you know, bumper guards to make sure they don't hurt themselves. And for the people who know what they're doing, getting out of their way is what I think this new paradigm is doing. Right. So were you, so have, did you use classic Mac at all, Jaime? I like use iOS 9 or... So you see Mac OS 9 and, and System 7 type well, stuff? It was called System 9, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, or Mac probably. Or Mac 9, yeah, no, you're right. Probably, I remember the old the old Mac stuff in the like computer lab in school and doing reader rabbit stuff. I don't I don't think that was Mac OS there was, 10. There was a real so. sort of there was real sort of stigma around. A friend of mine used to always say, "Don't keep files in your desktop," because one of the things we have to use, used to have to do all the time, which is sort of a reindexing, was called rebuilding the desktop, right? And it didn't have nothing to do with files in your desktop. It had to do with with uh, you know reindexing icons and resources and stuff like that, and what which file goes with what app and that kind of thing, right? And when they were created and fixing those kind of sort of metadata issues up, right? But yeah, so it's kind of a, that's, it's kind of funny to hear you say that people didn't know what they're, because they didn't know what they were doing back then either, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's really weird. Like, I, I understand how these things work. I don't shove everything on the desktop. I have things neatly organized, but I know the reality is a lot of people don't, and it's not unique to macOS. Go check out people who are using Windows devices and, oh, look, everything's on their desktop too, because that's the default saving space. So when right. you go into something like a word processor and you're like, oh, I want to save my term paper, or I want to save the letter that I'm writing to my, you know, my local government member, um, you're probably saving it on the desktop because that's what you, or my documents or whatever the default thing is. And you probably have an enormous mess of icons and yeah. files there. And I think yeah. that's what Apple was trying to address before. Again, I'm still really happy that they're you know, helping those folks who don't know how that works or don't need to know how it works. But for folks who want a little bit more control that we have finer grain control sure okay maybe another page and a half of notes to go through here so let's whip through it um yeah i just have one one line comment here that says siri kit i think that's pretty pretty much what they said like you said before uh they had a bunch of photo imaging apis that came by um they talked about uh photo project extensions uh qr codes are now uh, sort of first class citizens in ios 11 i'm going to skip past all Mm -hmm. the compression stuff we can talk about that some other time i want to get down to the the um but one thing, just I think last year, last uh, last year, last episode, I mentioned that my theory behind the two cameras was one was, and it is that one is wide and one's tele, but that's how they were able to do the depth effect for portrait um, because they can sort of map which is foreground, which is background. Um, but yeah, so Vision API was something that uh, they've added, and this is part of part of the um, Core ML uh, addition, and that's how they do things like face face and, and landmark detection, uh, as well as re- being able to read text. And I think that they have something. I know that Google demonstrated something about reading text, like uh, reading Chinese menus and stuff like that. Um, but they talked a bit about Vision and Core ML here in, 
in the platform um, thing. So, yeah, it's basically just CoreML, like I said before, is all about incorporating machine learning into your app. Um, they have a rich set of primitives for us to use. Um, supports a number of different libraries, and yeah, so you can do that. And then Metal and Graphics, and Tammy sort of said a bit about Metal and Graphics. Uh, interestingly, that there's 1.7 million thousand Metal apps on there out there on the App Store. So, and there's 900 million devices that can support Metals for for what that's worth. Um, and then they talked about the GPU for uh, offloading the uh, work off the CPU that you can add to the. That's the little um, developer. It was. Did they call it a developer kit? I can't remember what they called it. Or the uh, Mac iMacs. That the external yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, the external GPU stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. they just call it the graphics. Now I'm going to have to look it up. I'm sorry, oh, I was man. being attacked by oh, a who tick. Are, who are you, Greg? A tick. I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the hell is that? It was a Mind tick. your own business. I know. Wow. What oh, jerk? Uh, I think. Had it he was made a home of himself in you, or what's that? Had he? Did he make a hole of himself in you? No. Home he, of himself. He was. He was taking a ride on my hat. Okay, it's the external graphics developer kit. Except now I don't <laughs> know where he went. <laughs> Uh, more fodder for the after show. <laughs> <laughs> so the one other thing that they added to Xcode that I had in my note that I think Tammy would enjoy is the Sprite Kit and Scene Kit debugger, very similar to the View debugger that they have right, or yeah. sort of normal UI view based stuff. Yeah, I, look, dude, I am super excited about all of the Sprite Kit, but mostly because I don't think there's there's mostly just a little bit of stuff for Sprite Kit, but Scene Kit is over the top, and yeah, the debugging stuff. When I saw that, I was like oh my gosh i can't believe they added this stuff it's going to be fantastic i just have to say visual inertial odometry <laughs> okay <laughs> do you feel better now well it, they said it in the keynote so i wrote it down <laughs> they were talking about pirate the pirate kit oh. i don't know i watched the i don't know maybe i'm jumping ahead here but i watched the what's new in scene kit today and that blew me away i mean it's funny because mm-hmm. you know it goes back to what i said earlier before with you know why would you why would you use metal to write a game and now when I looked at the what's new in scene kit, I'm like, well, that's all the stuff that they were doing in metal. And now they're bringing it to scene kit, which is oh, really directly cool. there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You have your little army of sprites and stuff like that. I mean, army you know, that was, wasn't that what, what one of the, one of the advantages of metal is you could have all these like, you know, multiple, um, little guys running around on your, in your scenes and it could really render them quick. I don't know if you that's know? the advantage of metal. I mean, yeah, you could do that it's with metal. An right? advantage. Yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, there, there's things. Things like uh, now I have to like I'm all freaked out because I had a tick on me and I can't think straight. Um, okay, well we can we I think I think we should sort of we should sort of wrap up the the sort of first day because yeah. we got five more days four more days to talk about not today but yeah 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 we got a lot of sessions to go through I mean we, we really <laughs> yeah. touched the tip of the iceberg here just with the keynote and the platform state of the union and a handful yeah. of sessions there'll definitely be more stuff that we'll get well, a chance I think to I, look at and you know play around yeah. with and, and debug and see like oh. Here's this really cool thing I found. Right. So yeah, I just want to. Well, I just want to get give people an opportunity to hear what we thought about what we saw. I think that's why they come to us, right? Well, yeah, and it was a good that, WWDC. Yeah. The, the three things I could tell you from my perspective as a game developer, three things I'm most interested in would be the uh, iMac Pro, the AR Kit, and the new stuff in Scene Kit, including the augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they did talk about. That's one thing we haven't covered, but okay. Oops. <laughs> Spoiler. No, I, no, no. It's okay. No, no. It's, uh, the AR kit was the last thing they talked about in the in the platforms. I believe. Just trying to get back to those notes here. Everything's, everything's slow. Yeah, that's where my notes stop mentioning AR kit. Okay, uh, iPhone yeah. 6s and later, and iPro. Sorry, iPad Pro 
and later. Right, right. I don't know what that hmm. means for the SE. I think it is 6S internals inside of an iPhone 5S body. Yeah, so, so my iPhone okay 6 there. is now obsolete, officially. Officially, you're officially obsolete. Your days are numbered. No, you just save your pennies for the uh, the brand spanking new iPhone. Yeah, the what, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally yeah, making an augmented reality app where you beat up little ticks. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Squish them. So, I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, it's about time because because just on AR in general, because I've been looking at AR for and fascinated by it for about four or five years. In fact, I have a couple of uh, on-the-go projects that clients have been saying, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And I was looking at uh, Springs Springs was one, and then uh, Mark and I were, but Mark and independently of each other, we're both looking at Qualcomm's VR to do this kind of stuff. So now Apple's brought it in and, and made it super simple. It's it's an amazing technology where, you know, like a, like you look at, you can look at a pattern, like a QR code, and have a dragon fly out of a, out of, out of a hole in your desk kind of thing. Or you can have little characters run around on the screen and, and, you know, interact with each other, and you can interact with them. And there's all kind of really cool things you can do. And, you know, you build your characters in Blender and use Unity to animate them, and but you can use the AR. So I guess I guess now we can do sprites, or sorry, scene kit um, kind of animations like that. Right, Tammy? Yeah, definitely. If, if you've not been into scene kit before, now is the time to get into it. You know, if, if you don't if you don't think you can do it because you're used to doing sprite kit stuff, throw that out of your mind because it's the farthest thing from the truth, really. Scene kit is not that much different than sprite kit. Now, isn't there a really good book by some guy that we know? You know, there is a good book I'm by some... I'm trying to think who that think guy the was. I think dude's um, name is Chris Language. I might be yeah. wrong about that. I'm pretty sure I'm not. But you yeah, can get it at raywonderlook.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 3D Apple Games by Tutorials. Yeah, and we talked to him on Run about it. He was actually a scene kit or 2D and 2D game designer who took it upon himself to learn 3D and write a book. And that was what uh, was using Scene Kit. So I think it's three or four apps you build in that book, Timmy? I believe so. You know, as the final pass editor on that, you think I would have better answers. But I'm telling you, I'm traumatized oh, with this man. stupid tick that was attacking me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously, all kidding aside, augmented reality is is really powerful. It's really a lot of it's fun. And it, it it is, and it's so attainable now because literally you don't require a whole lot of lines of code to get it to work. And when you integrate it with something like uh, SceneKit, which is also fairly, I don't want to say simple or easy to understand because that's not fair to, to some, it, it might not be, but it's, it's a reachable goal. It's something that can be done. It's not too far um, out there. You know, it's not as complicated as metal. Let me just say it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know what? I think we should move on to our picks. So, yes? Yes. All right. Sounds so, good. So, I mean, I think everybody's pick is refactoring. Am I right? Yeah, that's pretty yes? cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. I think I'd mentioned in various channels that I will be spamming the refactor button so much that it will open a tear in the space-time continuum itself. Right. In the delicate how... fabric of the space-time continuum. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my pick is something that just happened just before we started recording, I guess around 10, a- 10 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time or for Eastern Daylight Time. Don't don't yell at me. Stop yelling at the phone. Um, I think it's daylight time, to be honest with you. Uh, our buddy Ryan McLeod over at Black Box Puzzles has just won an Apple Design Award for Black Box Puzzles. So I assume I haven't watched the video yet of that presentation, but uh, he's listed first here, so I hope that means he won the uh, 
prize first. So kudos to um, Ryan for that, as, as we've talked about on the show many times. It's our favorite app. In fact, we've now, Tammy and I have now made it officially the uh, iOS game for Roundabout and more than just code. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's won a prize. This is uh, Ryan's first app, so kudos to him for that. And uh, if you, you'll learn a ton without giving spoilers, if, without giving a ton away, you will learn more about your phone than you ever wanted to know playing Black Puck Puzzles. That's all I'm going to say. You guys, no, no comments? No, no quibbles? Go. In fact, if you listen to the Roundabout episode where we had Ryan on the show, you would have known that my children stole my phone from me in order to play that game. So that's how good it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Black Box and Ryan McLeod for winning an Apple Design Award. We're all jelly over here. All right. Um, Jaime, how many picks do you have for us today? Just two. Um, both WWDC related. The first one is a link for those of you driving at home. It'll be in the wonderful show notes. Um, the what's new in iOS that gives you an overview, a much more detailed overview of what's available, right? Uh, of course, you know, support for drag and drop. Uh, music kit is listed here. Metal 2 is listed out in terms of what sorts of things have been done and changed. You can find things about other things that don't make it into the Platform City Union or the Keynote, like the fact that uh, you have multi-path TCP or, hint, hint, um, they added Core NFC, a new framework for reading near-field communications tags and data right, in right. the NFC data exchange format. I don't even remember them even vaguely talking about that in the Keynote or the State of the Union. So if you want to know what's going on with some of this stuff, we'll start getting hints as to what's going to happen with iOS as a platform and you know Apple devices in the future. This is the sort of thing to start taking a look at. All right, cool. And this, I, I think Mark uh, always tells me that he goes over and reads to what's new in fill in the blank. Yeah, so it's a good place to go and ch- sort of see what de- the delta is between the previous OS and the current one, iOS, that is. Right? Go ahead, Jaime. Yeah, and the other pick I have is a blog post by Erica Sadoon. So if you want to use the drag and drop sort of stuff, um, and you know, in the simulator, you don't really have multiple fingers to use. There's a quick little tip here about how you can simulate a second finger. So if you, I guess, click and hold, so sort of like a long press on an item, it will pop out and then you can drag it to wherever you want. Um, what you can do is press the control key that will sort of hold the item, the pinned item sort of mid drag. And then you can use your cursor to go and manipulate everything else. So in this case, she shows a quick little video of like pulling something out of a list, hitting the control key. You can see like the little finger sort of icon comes up on the simulator and then using the cursor to go drag up and down to this other list and then goes back to the pin item, grabs it and drops it in. So if you're ever wondering how that works, there you go. Cool. Does she not sleep? I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> difficult keeping up with WWDC if you're over there, you know, going through the sessions all day and partying all night and having cool conversations with cool people and going to the labs. It's definitely, it, it's it's not a vacation, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I just, uh, she always has, seems to be ahead of the curve in terms of uh, these tips and tricks. So she used to always write uh, recipe books for uh, iOS development. All right, Tammy, hit us. My pick is Xcode 9. After all the bitch and I did in the past few days, in the past few episodes. Wait, did it fix the highlighting? It didn't fix the highlighting, but oh. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> oh, disappointment. <laughs> I am willing to overlook that because it has fixed and added so many new things to it. I, I can't even list off all those things. Read the release notes. I generally don't read too much of the release notes when they come out, but for some reason, I felt like I needed to, and I did. And wow, absolutely epic, epic. Wow, I, you yeah. know, I've seen it. I've seen it on Twitter a couple times now, posted, and I fully agree with this statement that running Xcode 8 alongside X2 
Xcode 9, it feels like Xcode 8 is the beta and not Xcode 9. So, really? Wow. Yeah. And, mm. and like I said, I fully agree with that statement. So, uh, it, yeah, question though. It is still a beta app though. Like it still has the banner that says beta on the icon and it inst- installs separately or? It does install separately. What I can tell you is don't do what I did if you haven't installed it yet, <clears throat> excuse me, and you plan to install it and then you go to run it and it's like, what the hell's going on? It doesn't work. When I downloaded it, I just stuck it on my desktop because it's a beta. I was just going to stick it there and use it. It doesn't work that way. Got to drag it into the applications folder. Very important step that I completely, uh. completely didn't even think to do. But once I did it, everything worked great. I stopped bitching. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. And remember when I was saying the people and folders, like in file systems, it, it's still tricky, right? That's the sort of thing. I'm glad to, to hear that you had that, that sort of fix because that's probably the sort of thing I would do too. I probably would have been running it from like my downloads folder or something and been very grumpy when it didn't work. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it, it like, makes a lot of sense to be in apps. Like it had to be six, seven minutes. I'm sitting there going, why is this stuff not building? And how come I, there's only two simulators. And every time I tried to install a new simulator, I was getting like um, some sort of invalid object. I'm like, geez, again, Tim's going to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I do, I can say this one thing about the applications folder. It's a protected space in the OS. So um, it's like, it's kind of like a root level, like root kind of owns it, I think. So that's probably why they were able to go in and, and like when you install it, it, it starts to unpack a bunch of things when you first run it, right? Did it do all that kind of stuff when you first started running it, Tammy? Like install your, your uh, command line tools and that kind of stuff? Well... You know, now that you mention it, when I first tried to launch it, I kept getting that message that it wasn't um, a certified developer, recognized developer, the security right, thing that right. comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had trouble getting around that, even though I went in and said, okay, fine, you know, let it install. I'm fine with it. It kept freezing up and not showing up on my dock, and I restarted the machine once. So I probably should have stopped then and there and figured out, oh, yeah, I should probably move this over to the applications folder. But I push through and I sort of like forced it to go and I think it was trying to do its thing and it couldn't do it um, and then again when I moved it over to the applications folder I think it probably finished doing what it was supposed to be doing because then I had all my simulators there I was able to build my projects and everything worked right interesting though that, you know apps like carbon copy cloner if you try and run them on the desktop it'll say hey this is on the desktop you want to move this to the application folder I can't there's a couple of other apps that are like, like that I'm surprised that Xcode doesn't say just that to you, right? I'm surprised that it came up with a security warning, not a recognized developer. Like, really? Well, who, who can trust those guys over at Apple, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> They're shifty. Shady. Exactly. You maybe downloaded it from the Chinese website. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I did have to make space on my computer, and it does run with Sierra, but I didn't have Sierra on my on my Mac. And I had oh, did to, you have to update? I did. I had to update, but I had to clear 60 gig off my machine first. Wow. So is Sierra like officially launched already no no no. sierra is the one that's out now hi sierra is the beta oh oh sorry 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 yeah i forgot yeah sorry i was high on sierra yeah because they're doing a stellar job with their naming this year (laughs) what is i I thought he was kidding again when he first started naming when he started mentioning the name right i think a lot of us did right like okay what's the real name (laughs) doesn't help that they made that exact joke with mac os was it weeds for that city in california yeah maybe yeah so i like sea lion myself but yeah i think it should have been snow something right this is the release 
doesn't add a ton of stuff to macOS. It's really true, more of a refinement true. and iteration. Just like yeah. Leopard and Snow Leopard. And I've joked about, you know, Sierra should have been Snow Yosemite. This should have been Snow mm. Sierra. Mm. That's a mouthful. Well, it though. kind of is. So, so is High Sierra a, a range of mountains up there? Or is it just somebody was fully baked when they named it? <laughs> somebody was I think fully a little baked. bit of A, a little bit of B, yeah. Look, I, I was telling my mother about it. You know, she was asking about WWDC and how to get all the new stuff and so on and so forth. And I told her, I said, you know, I explained to her that I, I was going to get Sierra and then get high Sierra. <laughs> and she got, she's like, what? <laughs> you got to do what? Said, Don't worry, mom. She's going to get what? high. It's totally cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder how people for the next six months are going to be saying, you got to get high. And then, oh, thanks, Mac. Mac just banged his head on the table. Isn't there a song getting high? Pee. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm going to work from home so I can pay attention to videos. Yay. Oh, that's good. Cool. We have a bunch of stupid meetings to go to, but... Oh, hey. Hi, May. If people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Deva the Hair. And Tammy, where would they find you? At Paradox927, also on Twitter. All right. And as I said at the top of the show, I am Tim Mitra, and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. So until next week, we'll go back to watching session videos, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, tippy canoe, tippy canoe. Uh, All right. Mm-hmm. For the mm-hmm. record, mm-hmm. I've never been drunk on the show, not even once. Oh. <laughs> as long as we have a breathalyzer, we can test you with, or put you put you on a you know, type you t- touch your nose or whatever. You'll just have to take my word so, for it. I'm pretty sure you fell asleep last week during the show. <laughs> um, I did, but I that was not from. <laughs> I totally did. Um, yeah, and then I all all the following day, I had to cancel another podcast the next evening because I couldn't keep my eyes open wow yes so no it wasn't what you thought it was i just i think i hit a wall and it and it fought back it kicked back it kicked back all right even i had to go to the eye doctor in the morning that following morning and i could barely Mm -hmm. do the eye tests because i couldn't keep my eyes open and they wanted to dilate my (laughs) eyes i'm like no i don't think that's gonna work You have to control your diet and stuff like that, right? So, right, right, yeah. I don't it's not know. The end of the world. I don't know if it's true, but I heard cannabis works as really. Oh, I should get and myself a bunch of other stuff it works for as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, my trouble with that is every time I partake in the last you know ten or fifteen years, um, like if I have a back a twinge in my back or a sore knee or whatever, my whole brain goes, "Your knee is really sore right now." <laughs> <You know? laughs>
wow. as you can imagine. <laughs> wow, I thought it was supposed to make you like feel better for stuff, like glaucoma <laughs> and other ailments. Yes, I, I did a lot of imbibing in high school, so I kind of, kind of, I kind of got used to it, right? So, but yeah, and it's just, I, it was in Vancouver, like '97, and I was with a colleague, and she went to her place for dinner, and just, just to have a dinner, right? And she pulled one out, and I just spent the rest of the night going, "Oh my God, my back is so sore." <laughs> you were hypertuned, hyper focused. <laughs> I guess so. I, I needed to watch a rock concert or something, or put on a Pink Floyd album or something like that would have taken my mind off. But you know where you can on, be on where where in California, and you know what's been going on in California. <laughs> What's that? WWDC. Oh, right, right. I loved, I loved uh, Jamie's Everybody's all telling Carol, high over there with their Sierra. Yeah, they're all high on Sierra, yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I love Jenny's comment on the Slack. I, I haven't had time to look at anything this week, and this is why. And she totally says it right. Like, you know, this morning I get up and there's like five live streams, and she says it's like a cat tracing five lasers. You know, that's how much how much stuff there is out there for us to look at, right? There's so much stuff. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I was calmly trying to work right today and, and, and watch the videos i'm trying to pay attention to the videos and take notes and stuff like that and because this is important stuff right it's like it's our business we to be a pay attention to this stuff that's a, that's what that's the downside i mean like you know everybody says oh you can watch the videos don't worry about it i don't know about you but once wwc is over i never look at the videos unless i'm specifically looking for one nugget i'm kind of like that too like unless unless there's an interest for some reason or another maybe i have a project or maybe i'm just generally interested i'll watch it and because of that this this week more than once now i've watched two videos simultaneously as they were live streaming yeah i heard that yeah yeah and i took notes and gave them to you so (laughs) good luck with that (laughs) thanks a lot yeah perfect yeah what about you honey i find it well okay so normally i do find it difficult to sort of keep up and what i've tried doing the last few years last couple years i guess is to sort of make a a plan it's like all right if i watch one video a night that's all it is you know one video about 35 to 45 minutes which I can split, you know, between breakfast, lunch, and possibly dinner, depending on, on what's happening. That's going to be my way of keeping up as best I can. Now, just like with all sorts of things, what I plan to do isn't necessarily what I end up doing. So I try to order the videos in like the priority order of like, okay, these are the ones I have to learn about. And these are the ones I'm interested, but I don't have to. And then kind of tails off from there into like, well, I don't know, maybe someday I'll do this sort of stuff, sort of list. So if I stop somewhere, hopefully I've stopped after I've gotten through the necessity ones you know platform state of union keynote of course uh, which thankfully i was able to watch both of those live and then the next thing i like to watch is the what's new in coco touch because it sort of gives you an overview of, right like, yeah what are yeah. all the sessions that i'm going to need to care about going forward and uh I, I do think that there is a enormous advantage to being there so like in this case i happen to have um release martial duty so i was responsible for putting the app in the app store turns out we had a terrible bug on ios 9 so i had to scramble to figure out what it was fix it put another version in the app store and deal with all the sort of internal documentation and release planning stuff and uh, didn't really have a chance to see any of the live streams so far so here we are on Wednesday so I've missed two days of live streams and so that's why I'm looking to you know download and, and view these offline hopefully tomorrow I'll have some time to view one or two of the streams but I think getting back to people are like oh well, like what's the advantage like the advantage is nobody can bother you so unless you're you know <laughs> getting out of the office and away from your PC or laptop 
you know, like you're going out in the middle of nowhere and all you have is like your MacBook to, or sorry, your, your MacBook, your iPad to view the videos. It's really hard to stay focused on it. So I think when you're there in California, it's like, well, you know, unless the world is coming to an end, they're not going to bother me. So you have real dedicated time for about eight hours of the day to review that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's exhausting being there for sure. I mean, my colleague who's down there was texting me today about, you know, my God, there's a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's a crazy week. Like you're just, he's like, he says, I've got things booked nine to five for the five days. And I said, yeah, that's totally what it is. Like what I do in the app is, is I go through and mark a bunch of favorites. And so that, cause when you're working at your desk and you, and you're trying to you know, remember which video you want to watch, if you don't mark your favorites, you, you'll totally like end up watching some other, some other thing. But, um, yeah. And, and it uh, like, this is Wednesday when we're recording and, and, uh, Jaime was saying that he wanted to download the videos and, and normally you can, and, and I don't think, I think maybe just today or tomorrow you'll be able to, you can on your iOS device, but that doesn't help you. Right. And then what I do with them is, is, you know, I go, th- I watch as many live ones as I can. And like today was a disaster. I only went up watching maybe two or three, but as of, out of like, you know, what, five you could watch. I, to- I totally messed up the time to the startup time. I thought, I just assumed it was starting at one o'clock our time. Um, in, yeah, I'm in the Eastern time zone, but I, so I missed, like, I think they started at nine 30 or eight 30 in California time on the West coast. You know what I mean? No, they so started later. West coast would be like 12 30 your time. Yeah. They didn't start. Yeah, the, so, 11 o'clock was the first one they had today. A central time. Well, uh, oh, central time. Yeah. So that's, that's noon for me. Right. So that's what I mean. I, I messed up the time cause I, I had a doctor's appointment this morning and I went and saw my granddaughter for, on the way home. And, and I thought, you know, I had time, but then I totally screwed up and missed the first. Yeah. So what I do afterwards, and I think Jaime is going to do that too, is once you can download them, you can, you can run them at two or three times speed in quick time. Right. So you can sort of whip through them and get the general idea. And if something's just not making sense, you can slow down and go back and watch that piece over again. But I don't know. I take issues with the, the two X speed. I tried watching something. At, I, yeah. I tried watching something today at two X speed. And I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I, I've tried it before and I don't like it, but luckily this is one of the ones that's already been downloaded. Like the, no, this was a different, completely separate technology, not, not even Apple related. And, um, cause there were some boring sessions at WWDC that were streaming today that I didn't want to watch. No, so, imagine really? that. so I watched some other stuff and I'd pretty much watched all the other videos that I wanted to see from the previous day. So I was watching something completely different, but anyway, I tried to watch this thing at two X and I just, I felt like I couldn't connect to the, to the presenter. So I set it at right, 1.25, right. which seemed to be really good. And in fact, Marin on Slack had made a comment almost around the same time that I was messing around with the speed settings at 1.25 happens to be what he likes his settings at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, about 1, 1. 1.4, 1.5 really most of the time, right? So yeah, I just think 2X is uh, too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, it's funny. You do actually get used to it. Like I don't edit the podcast at, at 1.2, but I edit about 1.5 or so, right? When I'm doing real quick, just doing a quick pass, just getting the, getting the stories down and deciding what to cut. Stuff. You know, you're right so, about uh, that. Maybe I, maybe I need to do a stepped, you know, step up approach because when I first put it at 1.25, I still thought it was too fast and I pushed through it. I'm like, let me just try and get used to it. And then I got used to it. And then I tried to put it back at one. I'm like, oh my God, come on, dude, speak faster. This is going to put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's funny when I'm, when I'm, when I'm editing the podcast, like you guys are like talking really, really fast, blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. Like, and then when I do the final pass at it and I have to listen to it in real time just to make sure I haven't missed something and you guys are talking really slowly or not at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly 
don't know why Huzzah came out as bizarrely as it did, but can you just cut that? It's like I had marbles in my mouth or something. Oh, the, when you when you said bzz, bzz. yeah, I was just saying, no, no, I, did, I didn't know how to recover from that, so I just shut up. <laughs> okay. Speaking of recovery, I'm just going to go run Mac outside, and I'll be right back. Okay, hang on. I'm switch okay. my mic around. I I can't find this song about getting high. I can hear it in my head, but, but then I, can't. I got high. But yeah, that's the high. one. What is that one? I don't know who does that. I, all right. Oh, here we go. Is it Afro Man? Because I got high. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Okay, I think the only way. Yeah, I can't I can't put it through. Yeah, but that's the song because I got high by Afro Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with the the naming there. It sort of feels like the marketing department wanted to you know take Friday off or something. Yeah. But they had to come up with a name, <laughs> and that's what they went with, and nobody challenged them on it. Maybe because they were distracted by all these other things that they had to deal with. Like, all right, High Sierra, fine. I don't know what's worse, High Sierra or HomePod. Although I have to say, after you started going through and explaining like earbud and iPod and all those other things, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. But it's still a silly name. It is. I mean, I don't know. I guess they were stuck. Like out of all the smart speaker sort of things, you know, you have the Google Home, which I don't know. That's okay. It gives you the impression, oh, this is from Google and it tells you where you can use the product. I think the Amazon Echo, despite the fact that it doesn't really give you, you know, what does this product do? It's a much cooler name and it makes more sense. It's like, oh, it's something you talk to. Echo is something you hear. Sure. Why not? But it's a cooler name to begin with. Siri Home would have been fine. Everyone would have known it. Yeah. And, and that's where I kind of wonder, I mean, are they sort of backing away from Siri while they're, I don't know, presumably trying to make it better, I guess. But why, why not come front and center on it? It was really, really weird. Like they were just poking their toes in the water and were afraid to burn themselves or something. You might be right about that. Although, does Apple really dip their toes into the pool or do they usually just jump right in? Yeah. It, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I I think I will go ahead and buy one, assuming and betting that they will open it up for developers. That's and I'll be a, very unhappy if they don't. That's a pretty steep bet. I'm not willing to buy in on that one. Because think about it. They so, had the... Okay, let me take you back. The original Apple TV. You could never write to that one. But you true. do have second, third, fourth gens that you can write to. Still the Apple TV, but that first one. So I take back what I said. They do tip their uh, dip their toes in the water. I don't know. You might be wasting your money on that. Well, maybe not wasting yeah. it, but Let's, I mean, you might be wasting... <laughs> See, I went back to it. You might be spending your money on something that doesn't give you the return you're looking for. Yeah. I think if it was $199, I'd be all in. 150 more. I'm like, well, oh, do I really need the high-end speaker? And I don't know. I, I, the other sort of side I'm thinking about is, like, okay, maybe they're not ready to have the developer story yet because how will that work? I mean, right now, stuff tends to work using extensions. Well, this isn't like a normal iOS device. You're not going to install an app on your phone and then have this HomePod as you know an extension of that. It's not going to work quite the same of, of how you would want. It certainly wouldn't work the way that you would for the Google Home or the Amazon Echo. I- so maybe they're trying to figure out what what that story is. I think what you're going to see with them is people are going to buy it and they're going to use it. And I think I found the tick. I think it's, I think the cats are messing around with it now, but they, they have anti-tick medicine, so it shouldn't get on them. Apparently I need that medicine anyway. So what I think is going to happen is the home pod is going to be out for like a year and people are going to play with it. And Apple is going to get really, 
really good feedback from the market and also from developers as users, right? Not as developers. And I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a second version come out. And I think they're going to do similar to what they did with the with the um, Apple TV. That first one you can't touch, but hey, you can touch this one and here's here's the kit for it, you know? Right. The, I, I could see that happening. I, I could very well see that happening now that you mentioned the Apple TV comparison. Um, on the positive side of this, I think if they're not ready with a developer story, I'd rather they not have third-party developer stuff included. I, I do think very critically that they made a huge mistake with trying to rush into third-party apps on the watch where they clearly hadn't come up with what that actual architecture should be like, right? It's night and day between, you know, WatchKit 1.0 and WatchOS 2 and then WatchOS 3 changes it again. I think it's more or less solidified in WatchOS 4. It doesn't look like it changed as much, even though there were changes to it. And that's, I mean, that's difficult to say, oh, by the way, uh, that was a first draft. Let's rewrite your app. Oh, by the way, that wasn't quite good either. Rewrite it again. So what do you mean mean, by, what do you mean by like rushed into third party apps? I mean, the fact that they gave us the watch kit, what developer kit, and and we were able to build apps for it before, or I guess we were able to build apps before we actually saw the hardware. Is that, that was the case. Is that what you meant by that? Or? Yeah. And, and even the architecture of how that works, the means by which you create apps wasn't fully baked. I mean, it, it functioned, it didn't function very well and, and people didn't know what to do with it. So I think Tammy's idea there of like, well, maybe it'll be like the Apple TV where you use it as a user, sort of figure out the pros and cons of that platform and then open it up to apps like they did with the Apple TV and tvOS. Maybe they'll do that with this HomePod where this first one, not extensible at all, go see how people use it, see what's the pros and cons of it, and then open it up to apps or skills, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I guess it's kind of, it's well, it's odd because it doesn't have a, a UI, right? I mean... That's what's kind of weird about it, right? Mind you, I guess with so with with the skills, can you actually see them on your Android? Like, can you actually you go in and change parameters and stuff like that? Do you know? There, there's limited configurability. So what you'll end up, and I'll use the Echo because it's the most um, mature way of doing this. So if you go into the Amazon Alexa app, you can go and find skills. Or now you can actually just say, oh, enable this particular skill. Like the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon came out with one that was talked about on TV, and you could just enable it with your voice. But the other thing that they do is you can interact in a non-voice manner, right? So sometimes it might speak out things to you, or if it needs extra explanatory text, rather than sort of droning on it, you might say, oh, I've also sent a card to your phone. And you can look in the app and say, oh, okay, there's the extra information that I want. That's kind of what I thought Apple was going to do when I was doing the predictions of the you know, advanced cloud kit and seamless integration with your iPhone. And they can sort of completely punt it on it for now, hopefully. Hopefully they'll have to, um, hopefully they'll come up with a solution there. But I think since it's completely unlike everything else they have, like, like thinking about how how do you install apps on iOS and tvOS and watchOS, you go to an app store, right? And that content is hosted via the store itself. In this case, the way that skills work for the Echo in the home is that you have some sort of server somewhere that the Echo or Alexa or the Google Assistant know, oh, okay, well, when somebody asks for the happy fun time skill, I know to go to this address and send that information over to that web server and it will return responses that the echo will then you know, speak out to you what's the equivalent of that for the apple ecosystem i i can't think of one right like it even the mac has at least the mac app store as, as a sort of way to get apps on there of course you can sideload things that would get it off of websites so sure but there's nothing that's, that apple has out there that's oh this is going to some dedicated address the closest they get with it is something like you know universal app links where you have to put a special file in your own server um 
Um, there's stuff like, oh, when you fill out the app store, you got to put in like a link to your privacy policy and a link to your developer website and stuff, but, but nothing that really is web service based integration. And I think maybe that's where they're sort of struggling with that story of like, how, how do they review that sort of stuff? Right. Because their, their current review process just won't work at all. They will not scale to that sort of thing. It would be super easy to hide. How, they, they never see your binary. How would they know what you're doing behind the scenes? I don't know what to yeah, tell you, Hammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm about 60, 40 in favor of buying the device, but I think, I think Tammy might be right. I might be like, Oh good. When HomePod two comes out, the one that's actually, you know, something you can develop against, I'll end up having to sell the HomePod one for a very cheap price. And basically <laughs> just eat the, eat the cost. <laughs> right. Right. Huh. That's my plan. Besides I got $5,000 I need to save up for, for something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for something so I know you can I can sponsor use. <laughs> Roundabout at uh, just our Patreon Just Right Code. For the, yeah, you know what, Tim? We didn't we didn't talk about um, GoFundMe. You know, <laughs> you didn't talk about T-shirts or 360 iDev. No, we didn't. That's amazing how I don't. It's amazing how we just got right past that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just looking at the time here. It's like we've been recording for two and a half hours, roughly. So I know, I and you gonna... you guys have no idea how long I'm I'm sitting here freaking out because I had that tick on me and I haven't been able to check in the mirror if I have more. I've been so distracted since I found it. So I'm sure that is that's not going to translate well to when you try and edit this episode down. Cool, cool. Well, at least we have our cold <laughs> opener, right? <laughs> All right. You um, should give the tick a name, Tammy, and you should, you should draw like a portrait. I will. So here's here's the story about the t-shirts. Again, this, I, what is it with us in t-shirts? Like, So I couldn't get t-shirts to people in, in time for WWC. A couple of guys wanted, said they wanted them. I'm still going to send them out to, them to their home addresses when they get back. But yeah, we just couldn't get anybody to commit to delivering them till like Thursday, right? Just, by the way, folks, we do have t-shirts printed uh, for our, our 2012 or 2012, 2017 world tour. Um, you know, the various cities we just got, we delivered this year. But um, so if you want to have a t-shirt, uh, you can go to the website and there's an odd, there's an odd bug with the shipping right now. A friend of mine went and tried, tried to work it out for me and he bought a t-shirt from us, but uh yeah, it ended, ended up trying to double charge them on shipping, which I can't seem to figure out. It's a WordPress plugin that worked fine last year. I'm not sure what's going on this year. So, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah. So we have ladies' sizes. We have uh, ladies' small and ladies' large. And we have men's, medium, large, and extra large. Come and get them. If you do have trouble with ordering them, just ping me and we'll figure something out. But, uh, yeah. And also, Jaime uh, um, and I are speaking at 360iDev August 13th. Or, I think we're actually speaking on the 14th of August, right? Um, yes, we're on... Well, I guess we're on the first day of the conference itself. Itself, there is right. a pre-conference workshop, workshop that's yeah. the 13th that uh, Tim mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so I... Come, you know, get a ticket, come check us out, you know, see yeah. what our talk is all about. It's about, um, how would you describe it, Tim? It's called uh, Being a Better Developer by Talking. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and actually, that's what it is. It, it, the, the whole idea is that, you know, um, by having peer reviews or tweeting or just having conversation with a rubber duck, you know, um, or even to a friend or writing an email like trying to, or trying to make a post that, that explains what your question is, you often end up teaching yourself more or learning about more about what you're trying to solve in that. So it's, so it's kind of like that. So we're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about how about communication works, um, some tricks to some places to go and learn how to be a better communicator, I guess, uh, as well as what it has done for us as developers and or podcasters and or Twitter people, that kind of stuff, right? That's just Indeed. Maybe we should have like a before and after sort of picture to sort of really sell the whole like, this is what it was like before I was talking as a developer. Well, without, this without is what it's like what- now. And it's, you know, it's like completely better lighting. I'm wearing makeup. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.